0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjohnners.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host, as always. Billy, I almost forgot my name there. Uh, this is one. This is going to be my favorite episode. I already know it. We're not even a minute in. I know it's going to be one of my favorites because I'm just looking at my watch now. What's 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 the time? What's the time? What time
1: is it, Billy? What time is it? It's Johnny time. And we'll go ask the question. Billy Strachan, the big hot show of Scottish journalism. Why didn't you have Mr Johnny on your show till now? We've got Scotty Swift once. We've got Scotty Swift twice. We're getting Scotty Swift a third time. Really? Is he that more interesting than Johnny? I don't think so. <laughs> Billy Strachan, you watch your ratings. Go from here to here to here during this podcast. He is here. Stu is here.
0: I'm here. Let's go. Uh, yes, you heard him rightly. It is... I've got to do this properly because I heard Vago do it and I'm thinking I'm may have that uh, just be it. So I am joined by the tenacious Johnny Lions. Right. <laughs> so fuck you, Vago. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to ask the boardroom questions. Fuck it. We're just going to have some fun here. So the usual ones, how to you get into wrestling? Who cares? Let's let's just let's just have some fun. So you've been retired and now you're on the podcast circuit. <laughs> and I didn't ask what, you before you because I'm like, oh, I just want to leave, just leave you be. Be retired. Have fun. Just I don't want to go, do you want to podcast? Uh, but no, you're on the podcast train. How are you enjoying it? Yeah. Good. I mean, um, going right back before wrestling, I've always been this
1: big movie fan and I've also wanted to do like movie reviews. That was kind of the, 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 the start of it. Um, so I thought, a way to get better equipment, a way to get better microphones, a way to get better editing software. And I thought, you know what, just screw it, I'm going to do it. So I did one completely raw. It was a cinema etiquette rant, which a lot of people have heard in real life. And it's not that much of an exaggeration, I really am like that cinema. Um, so I popped that out and then I, I let some video editing. in, I upgraded my microphone. I'm actually getting new equipment, uh, with we new cameras and things in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to take it quite seriously. But what I found was, I wanted to stay away from wrestling initially. I thought, let's do it with like movies, let's do it with like general topics. But then I found that the wrestling stories are the most popular so far. Everyone's been watching those, so I'm going to keep doing those. And I want to try and do a wrestling story every week. If I can, because I've got 15 years, 16 years of stories of what various things have happened. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun because I don't get that buzz anymore. I can't get in front of a crowd anymore, Billy. I can't be getting hit in the head with steel chairs anymore or taking superplexes and power bombs. So what else can I do? So this is my way to release that tension and frustration. through the
0: thing. It's it's one of those things where you think, oh, will I do it? I mean, my equipment is literally one of the oldest laptops known to humankind. (laughs) Uh, The only reason I've got these beats is because I got them for my birthday to to where I'm walking the dog. And then the ones I were using broke. So I was like, oh, I'll use these. And this is just where they've stayed. So this is the most, that's probably the most expensive bit of kit I have. General in this, <laughs> and it's by accident, and uh, a ring light, which I saw that that's what all the teenage girls are using for TikTok. So I mean, if it's yeah. good enough for them, it's I'm good enough for me.
1: I was going to buy one the other day. I was in like one of those, those stores, and I say, oh, there's that light. And then on the picture, it's got some teenage girl like with makeup and stuff with this light. And I thought, nah, Johnny Lyons no buying that. <laughs> so I bypassed it. You know, I'll be old school. I wear a goddamn torch. I'll just get a light sticking in
0: my face for a bit. That's what I'll do. <laughs> well, my only issue if I have the big light on in here, because uh, I'm bald. <laughs> it like
1: looks like I have a halo, uh,
0: which, I mean, I, I made that joke for, for Vagos pod, and, uh, and I, I put the light on thinking, oh, I'll show it, and, and it actually came, the lighting was perfect. I was like, ah, one time, the one time the lighting was going to be perfect. It had to be when I was on camera. Um, but, yeah, so you, you, we've got, so we'll jump around a bit. We've got Scottish Stu's uh, Ransom Reviews. Uh, and yeah, I, I was watching a few of them today, including uh, your wrestling chat. And I have heard about the etiquette, the cinema etiquette, um, uh-huh. from your time. At the, you did the Tuck of the draw with Stephen Louch.
1: Oh yeah, they're going about it there. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and uh, I've heard your cinema stories. Uh, I mean, you've went through your etiquette. Is there a particular moment where you 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 had your trigger hit, and afterwards you're like? Maybe, maybe I overreacted a little bit, or are you all you're set on your, your your etiquette? That is Look, that is the rules.
1: Let me tell story. you a story to show you how passionate I am with my etiquette, right? So I was going to see um, the movie Wolverine, all right, or well, Logan. So thought last part. I'm super excited, cause I'm massive into comic book stuff, yeah. So I go into this packed cinema, and I'm sitting there, and the film's just getting started. Then we got this bingo granny like she's going son son and i'm like i just turn around and goes listen hen like it's the son of myra know the bingo you want to keep it quiet yeah so she went quiet and i was like oh that's good that's good and then behind me we've got this little geeky guy good to his girlfriend yeah 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 well i saw this in the comic book and i was like mate i'm being serious now be quiet right so we get a bit of peace better quiet this guy next to me right he starts making these noises his, noise i'm like what the fuck is that so i give him the stare i give him the, the look and I keep it quiet. And then a few minutes go past. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I'm totally dead-eyeing him, right? But he's not reacting to me. So I go back to the movie and then he just fits. He has a left just goes, start shaking. He's frothed out the mouth. So I'm thinking to myself, man, I need to get this guy help, but I'm going to miss my movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's fitting out. And then the person I was with looks at me and I'm like looking at them and I'm like, movie fit guy. So they run and get the help, and I just keep watching my movies, so I move seats, I move over, and I'm watching my film, the guy's still fitting out, and then like three people come up and cart him out, and I'm like, ah, oh, peace and quiet. So I get back to my seat, then Mr. Geek is telling his girlfriend about issue fucking 220 or something, and I just blew up, I was like, son, do you want to keep your roof shut, we did not care, we'll call it the grills in, pal, and he tries to be cheeky to me. So I go full Joy of I stand up, give them the full stare, it's like, you want to do something, pal? And they just shrink, to they seat like this, I was like, I didn't think so! Then I sat down, and I enjoyed my movie, and that was a good movie. So <laughs> That was one time, another time I really took it too far. This is actually the one time I think I did take it too far, actually. And um, I do, I used to do a lot of cinema um, trips where I do two to three movies in a day, because I love movies, so... I was doing this one and it was like maybe the third movie of the day that was Cheaper's Creepers 2, which is a terrible movie. But there was a bunch of like 15 to 18 year olds, maybe 15, no, maybe 10 of them, all yapping all the way through the movie. But they're too far away for me to actually do anything about it. So I was getting angrier and angrier and raging and raging. So I waited, I went to the cinema at the end of it and I waited for them (laughs) and they all came out. And I picked in the biggest guy because that's what you also do. You also pick in the big guy. And I grabbed him literally by the shirt and I threw him against the wall. I just started screaming in his face and shivering at him You ruined my movie! You ruined my movie! <laughs> and then I felt bad for that one because I think I took that a bit too far because they're like maybe 15, 16 year old kids. But so, like, he was a big guy, too. So he was as big as I was. So yeah, anyway, there you go. Here's a bit of the the Stu uh, the cinema rage.
0: <laughs> uh, but when I was listening to your, you, I, I, the, the list of things had just fuck you off entirely um one one uh, one was the, the question asker and and she will i don't think she'll mind me say this. my wife does that oh, uh, okay. but she does it low enough that i'm the only one that can hear it so i don't mind you think? So Those, you think only. <laughs> well i like to think anyway but i've i've worked out a system because i i I'm, i can't hear much out of this side mm-hmm. that's where she sits Okay. <laughs> just kinda of note. Mm-hmm. So it's I I cause she's, she's, she's just a super passionate person. So if she gets excited, if we go see these Marvel films, she something, she's like, Oh, it's amazing. I'm like, Cool, we'll speak about it in two hour's time. Just <laughs> it's fine. But uh yeah, I, I said I, I don't mind as long as, as long as no one else is disturbed, I don't mind being uh, disturbed because I decided so to to marry. Uh, Marvel, I mean the endgame.
1: I've got on my seat four times in Endgame. I love it. I love that movie. Four times I got my feet to threaten people to shut up. I walked <laughs> five rows to one, two guys were chatting. I walked five rows backwards into the row, crept down to the face of those boys, shut the fuck up, I'm watching my film. Then I went right back to my seat again. I just. Oh, man. To be honest with you, I don't like being that way. So like what I tend to do to avoid it, I never go on like a Friday or Saturday night. I don't go busy periods where this shit's going to happen. So I tend to go, I always spend the most expensive ticket. So if it's like a Marvel movie, I only go and see an IMAX, the most expensive booking. I try and pick like a tea time viewing where people are having their food. Or I pick a very early Sunday morning. That's when I go and see it. So if I get grief in those, then, you know, I'm justified, I think.
0: Fair. Yeah, yeah, if you if go on premiere night and everyone's like ooh and on ah and you start going, right, everyone shut the fuck up, yeah. then you probably think, right, they've paid for, to do this kind of thing. But if it's a Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, and they're ooh and ah, they an, yeah. fuck off.
1: Honestly, my girlfriend goes, I make her get up really early Sunday morning just to go to the cinema, just so I get a piece of quiet to watch a film.
0: I've started, uh, well, I didn't say started, I've only done it once, but I've started just going to the movies myself oh really oh because well no because I, I i went to see the suicide squad and uh amazing uh, movie. amazing uh i've got a studio review up on suicide squad on my channel but do. yeah amazing movie uh but no, I, I, I i streamed a copy of it and it cut out after half an hour so i was like i actually quite enjoyed that i'm gonna go see it and because i work from home and kelly doesn't mm. uh she just wants she's like, i just want two hours peace that's all <laughs> i want you you've got the whole house to yourself all week during the day just give me two hours i mean like, that's fine i'll go see suicide squad that's fine sorted and uh yeah i went in it was like a tiniest cinema in the world it was like uh five rows uh-huh. no uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. F- five seats and then maybe six back
1: uh-huh.
0: and uh and I, I, I love this the, the only reason i love this pandemic is nobody sits next to me because they're not allowed to I
1: love that. yeah that can oh. stay I mean that's going to change, obviously, but I'm loving that
0: as well. About that part of it. I know. I, I used to. I used to happen to be a wrestling show. It's just just out of circumstance where I'd go. I end up. I I bought two tickets, or I'd go. I uh, must have just had that face where no one's next to me. either that or a smell, and I don't know about it, but uh, I, I just have that face, and often I'd be sitting there going, "Ah, was sat next to me? This is great. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this wrestling show all to myself." Fuck <laughs> off, go away. Um, anyway, yeah, this is supposed to be a wrestling podcast, so this so is. Well, we could we do some wrestling, I suppose. Uh, so you retired, uh, was it two, just before the pandemic hit, 2019? Yeah, yeah. then the wrestling the world ended. So I, think, I mean, I'm not saying it's your fault, but... <laughs> it seems to me, well, like, and what a good time. If I had
1: planned to retire in 2020, I would have still, I wouldn't have got that closure. And that last show was, I mean, I didn't feel the match was where it could have been, but I felt like the the, the response was amazing. And like... For me, the biggest thing for WrestleZone, and you know this, Billy, they're very much protective of kayfabe and they're very protective of the stories and the characters. But the fact that, well, look at Bill Sterling was the first guy to give me a hug, who was the heel who was wrestling. So they all broke kayfabe for me, which uh, I didn't know they were going to do that. That They never told me they were going to do that. But to see all the locker room come out, the heels and the faces together to give me that ovation, obviously the fans are on their feet and stuff, it was uh, an amazing moment I didn't expect, I didn't know, they were going to do that. I had no idea. So yeah, it was brilliant.
0: That's that's the thing. I mean, you you touched on it. The bits I listened to so far of Moshpit. Um, that's what wrestling's about, though. It's, it's it's less about the rest. I mean, it, obviously, the wrestling's important, but the character, the story, the emotion—that's the bit that keeps people coming back. I mean, I remember Battle of the Nations that year. Uh, I was I was in the crowd, and it was say, uh, you, you guys, you Scotty against the outfit, and it looked like they won. And the place just it wasn't like it went silent, but it just it was just you could hear a pin drop because I thought yeah. shit, Johnny Lyons is finished and it's yeah. Battle of the Nations. It's not like it's it's uh, it, and yeah, it was just that's that's why that's why I love WrestleZone. I don't care if people think at this point I've done this ninety-eight episodes and I always bring wrestle up because not enough people we, do.
1: Let me tell you how story oriented WrestleZone are. I'm gonna pull back the curtain again here. So When I decided to retire, I actually decided to retire around about 2017, and I'll tell you the story, which is going to be for my YouTube channel, I'll tell you the story why I retired. Um, But I told RetoZone, and they made me do another year and a half, they said, right, we've got all these storylines for you, we need to stretch this out, so they stretched it for a year and a half. But to be fair, it was like a year, but uh, it was going to end in Aberdeen Anarchy, that was their virtual plan. For me, I actually wanted to end in... And a kind of smaller show, like a normal Hotel show or something, where the hardcore fans are. That's why I envisioned. So it stretched on right to obviously the end of the year. It was supposed to end like middle of the year, but they said, "Do you want to go to the end of the year?" I was like, "Actually, yeah, let's do that." So it was like a year and a half notice to get to get my character to kind of retire. Um, but yeah, the, I'll, I'll tell you the reason why I retired. Do you know the reason? Have they have told us already.
0: Maybe bits and pieces, but but uh, go for it.
1: Okay, so it was um, in WTL. Um, obviously you know I was a champion every bit of year. So W3O was the company I started with way back in the olden days and I fell out with them. I left them, went back and you know me and Mike have had a good and awful relationship for years, Mike Musso was the promoter. So myself and Mike Musso were in good terms again and I've been working with him at this point maybe three years and he wants to put the belt on me, that's his plan, he wants to give me the belt. So he's got this tournament called um, the Seven Deadly Sins Tournament um so if it, you'll know where it is Billy but if those watching don't know where it is it's it's basically seven matches you've got so you have like a battle royal you have a singles match, then you have a submission match, and then a last-man-standing match. That's, yeah. But the seven competitors, that's where the seven comes in, and they get eliminated. So he's planning for me to go the whole way, and it's like a weekend. It's like a Friday night, a Saturday night, and a Sunday afternoon, this tournament's going to run for Cool. So first match, the battle royal on the Friday night goes fine. Uh, my second match is um, Dicky Divers, and Dicky Divers, I love you, right? I love Dickie Divers, but he has been responsible for my two worst injuries, and I'll tell you about them in a second. So um, yeah, we're planning the match back save himself and Divers, and uh, there's a spot in the match where I was going to turn in, and he says, "I'll give you an axe handle from the top rope." I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, So I go, I get in position for the axe handle, and for whatever reason, he said that's him this, he decides to go for a missile drop kick. So that's okay, I know i take a missile drop kick, I've taken hundreds of them, thousands of them, but I'm too close for that, and plus there's a massive stage light in my eye, so I can't see him, I can't see where he is. So the impact hits me, and it's not what I expect, I'm expecting an axe handle, and I get double feet to the chest. So I spring back and I twist, and I tear my back, like, really bad. Um, really bad, and I could barely walk, and the pain was excruciating. This is five minutes into the match. I need to finish the match. So I get through the match. I finished divers with one of the worst lying cards I've ever performed. I could barely jump. I remember getting backstage divers like, Ah, oh, you messed up that cutter, eh, hey, mate? And I'm like, Mate, I could barely walk. And I was literally on the ground, like crawling, and, and so bad. I got home that night, and it took me about 30 minutes to crawl from the bottom of my stairs to the top just to go to piss. That's how badly I was hurt. So I phoned Mike, and it was Mike. I'm done. You're going to have to put somebody else as a winner. And he's like, Stu, Stu, can't do that. You're, I've spent a lot of money. You're the guy. You've got to do it. You'll be fine. I'm like, oh, man, this is wrestling. show must go on. So it goes. So I turn up the next day. It was the Fairland, um, um show. And I am in so much pain. So I popped maybe about 10 pills just to get anywhere. Jason Reed, he's backstage and he's got like one of the massagers and he's massaging my back and I'm just in so much pain. I could barely stand straight. So, I take some more pain pills and I'm just going, So, the next match is supposed to be a submission match against um, the original Craig Stevens. And I can't even walk properly, I'm limping around. So, I says to Craig Stevens, I goes, Look, you're going to have to hit me with a steel chair to start this match. Legit, you're going to have to just smack me in the back because the fans don't know that I'm hurt. They don't know why I'm hurt. So, we need, we need a storyline reason for me being the way I am. So, as much as that's going to suck, you're going to hit me with a steel chair. So, he's like, Are you sure? So, like, yeah, do it. So I remember walking through the car and I'm in so much pain and he cracks this chair in my back and I'm like, oh my God. So I dropped to my knees, again in the ring and again, it was an abysmal match I have. I'm trying to do this, this match with Craig where I can't even move. I remember he picks me up for a delayed vehicle suplex and I'm holding myself up and I'm just in absolute agony holding myself up for the slam and he takes me down. I get a submission and get the win. And then the next match is on the same show. It's against Joey Legend, a guy who I've got a lot of respect for, an amazing guy. And I spoke for a last man standing match. And I'm like, Jesus. So I go out, I'm getting slammed through tables, I'm getting slammed on ladders, I'm getting steel chairs, everything. The pain was just unreal. But I win the match, but it wasn't a good match. I really wasn't happy with the match. And I think there, it was just like, you know what? I'm getting too old for this. I need to call time on this. And I said to Mike, okay, if they win a tournament, can I get a Sunday off? He's like, Stu, Stu, I've got you booked against Tim Wiley. I need you to, to wrestle the match. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I turn up on the Sunday. I forget what the venue was. And like Mike says, look, your heart, just make it like a two or three minute match. It'll be fine. Take some B in, Just get a car get out of there. And then Tim Wiley's there. And like, yeah, really, it's a jack guy. It's a good guy. And I can't do it. My professionalism won't let me do that. So I said, screw it. So I planned a full match with him. I did the entire match. I got through that with a little bit better. Um, but that, that night I was like, I was, I was home. I could barely walk. I'm in pain pills, and I thought, you know what? Because what pills are there? 41, 42. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And that was the decision. So, like, it was the following weekend, I think it was a wrestle zone, and I pulled Scotty surface aside, always been one of my best friends there, and I said, mate, I think I'm done. We need to find a way to get out of this. And that's when we came up with the retirement angle, because they already had, already had the plans to put the belts on me and Scotty. But I didn't think me and Scotty were a tag team. So, that's even before then. They wanted to put us together, get us the belts, and the list kind of jazz. So, that was it. So, that was why. I mean, um, And ironically, here's the thing, it kicks my ass sometimes, right? Once I announced I was going to retire, you know how many injuries I had after that? Zero. My physical health was perfect right through that run. And here's another, peel the curtain back. That steel cage match we had, the last match of WrestleZone, Bill, Scott... And um, Blue Thunder were all hurt way more than me. They were all limping backstage, they were all kinds of injuries. I was actually the best in shape and the most healthy guy in that match. And I was the guy retiring. But that was why I had to go to the big bumps. I went off the top of the cage, sun in the cage and all sorts. So there you go.
0: Did you think it maybe just your body relaxing? Like you your mentally just went, I'm done. This is i I know I know the end point. Your body just went, Oh thank God. Right. Okay, let's just have let's let's just have fun as we're going. I know, I know when it's finished.
1: I think you got a point, Billy. I think it was like I stopped impressing myself, I think, and then I just relaxed, yeah, right. And I think I knew in my head. And I remember like saying to a few of the guys, I'm going to savor every moment this last year. So I remember like even building the ring, going on those long rubbish journeys, the backstage politics. I was savoring everything and I was trying to slow it all down because in wrestling, I've never loved the travel, I've never loved the politics. I've always loved, here's the two things I love about wrestling I love the planning, I love meeting with, with my opponent and just going back and forward and creating this massive story in our heads. And, and then I love the performing. You can't beat the performing, going through the curtain, the adrenaline, getting kicked in the face, legit. Remembering your moves, remember your character, selling, performing. Those two parts are great, but like the traveling, the journeys, oh man, you get good banner, but you're so tired, especially when you do Mike Russo, because he, WFL will send you up the farthest reach, to the North, down South, all over the place. It's just exhausting. <laughs>
0: I mean, that wasn't originally scheduled to be your last match, though. The the steel cage. You're you're due, you're booked for like the month after with Jason right. Reed. Right.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you about that. So that was FCW. Yep. And uh, the truth of that is I didn't know the big retirement plans that wrestling had for me. I didn't know they created me a belt. So the, all the guys I've worked with, it's about me 25 guys, I'll put a lot of money together to create me a belt and I'll show you, but like, it's pictures of it on Facebook, you can see it. And they had this big farewell plan for me. So they were actually when I did that, sign off the that last match at FCW, they were like, why are you doing that? That's a company you've never worked with before and wrestling's your home. wrestles the company you you created. Why do you throw away your last match on a company that doesn't care about you really? And, and, and I thought, well, you know what? The only reason I want to do it is because I was going to be begin Jason Reed, you know, who's one of my real-life best friends. So I had, like, Discovery's match with Andy Wilde, my other best friend, and then I, ha- I was going to have the cage match with my wrestling best friends, then I have my last singles match with Craig you know Craig Holden, Jason Reed. So to me, that was a dream weekend, you know, the dream finish. But the rest of the guys, will pull my side. And when they gave me their reasonings, you know, I thought, okay, I understand. So I made the call to FCW and said, look, I can't do the booking. And that was why. So, and, and in hindsight, it was right. Um, I would have done that send off. And then I would have just kind of throw away for one last match in front of, I mean, FCW at that time was quite untested. How much people's going to be there? Do not know who joining the lines are? Do they care? you know, so, yeah, and I would have definitely done the job in the last match, so, would have done me anything? I don't know, what do you think? Do you think I should have done an FCW match, or do you think I was right to stop at WrestleZone? Uh,
0: I mean, when you give the reason of of WrestleZone being the company you founded, and being the way you go out, then it absolutely, as a, as a story and a fairy tale goes, that's how it should have ended. I do like the idea of you, of you passing the torch to Jason, but it, it, well, it wouldn't have been the right setting, because at that point it would have been Second, maybe third, FCW show, and like you say, it's not a company you have a you're tied to. Um, I mean, if it was, I don't know, I can't think. Of it. If it was W3L, maybe mm-hmm. that would have made sense because that again, a company you're very close to. But yeah, the way the way it ended, that had to that had to be the way it ended. Yeah. The curtain call and and the uh, bill of oh, sorry, William Starlin uh, just breaking. Uh,
1: the, his character to hug. <laughs> it surprised me because Bill look, everybody is like so super protective of WrestleZone and the backstage politics and the characters because he's created a lot of that stuff, you know. Um don't know if I should have said that either, but he's very protective. And for him to break that character, it meant a lot to me, you know. Like um, these guys, like when I first formed WrestleZone, going right back, I've actually been in touch with Scotty Swift and um, Bill Sterling, you know, Bill Harper way before I even started wrestling, my career. I've known them for about 20 years. And we used to talk online online forums and chat about wrestling and things like that. And then when I first went to uh, WTL to train, I said to those guys, like, come and train, come and train. Or they they're maybe thinking about it. There was a long way for them to travel and it just never happened. And then when I had my fallout with Mike Musso, and I left Mike Musso and I created WrestleZone, um, which I'm going to throw in was unprofessional. And I'm going to do a big story about that. And if you want to ask me about it, I'll tell you the truth about it. But I should never have done that originally. That was an unprofessional move by me. But it happened. And it was the burp a zone. Then those guys came down. So it was like your Bill, your Scott, your Crusher Craves, your your your, um, your uh, Brian. Um, Brian? Brian? Brian! What's his second Tucker. name? Tucker. Tucker. Thank it? you. Oh, my God. <laughs> These guys are- so They were like the original batch of guys that came down and trained. And um and they brought so much energy to it, if it wasn't for the Aberdeen guys coming to Kirkcaldy Bay Festival at the time, it just wouldn't have had that energy and that character, because the truth was, the truth is, I was putting out untested, not trained enough talent, which is something i would never do today, with my, my mindset that I have now, I've never done it, um, but I knew not as much back then as what I know now, And um, but they saved it, they saved the company with their passion, their work ethic, and when I had the rest and training in school, I wasn't just training the guys myself. I brought a lot of seminars. I brought, like, you know, the late great Lionheart came down and seminars, and we, we brought loads of guys. You know, Pat came down in the seminar. So these guys were trained by very good professionals. Um, it's just the way I did it uh, wasn't the correct way. And uh, it's certainly a way I've discouraged anybody now that what I did.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you, you start addressing more out right, of uh, an emotional, and i want always say bitterness because that, that's probably a bit too harsh. But like, yeah, just out of emotional going, well, well screw you, Mike. I can do this yes. kind of okay. thing, or a case of logically thinking about it. Have
1: you ever had the story of why I really left WWE? Has anyone told you why I
0: actually left hotel the first time? No, but I was. I, I know when you put up the list of like your controversial videos that are coming up, I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing I'm that gonna- one.
1: You know, I'll do, I'll do it again from my video because I'll do editing and things with it. But you know what, Billy Strachan, you're the Premier Scottish Wrestling journalist, So I'll, I'll tell you exactly, and I'll peel the current. Well, we'll say, I'm going to preface this with, there's always my side, their side and the truth. All right? You're the hero of your own story. So your perceptions are always your perceptions. So what I'm going to tell you is my perception. Mike Musso might have a completely different perception. And to be fair, like me and Mike have never discussed this. Never, ever discussed this. And even though we brought the hatchet, we never talked about this. So uh here it is. So um W3L, I'd been there, trained there. I was there for a few years on the first run. Um Musso put the belts on us. So myself and Tommy Turner had the W3L tag team titles we won from Fight Club, which was still an amazing moment when those belts. Um I remember um Kid Fight, always nice to go tough. Actually, I'll just have backstory quickly before I proceed. The, the week before, uh, we've been wrestling fight club and ICW and uh, I had whipped Kid Fight into like a, a radiator, I didn't know it was a radiator, I thought it was bar- the barricade, and I smashed his back, so he was raging with me. So when we are backstage at the, the Windsor show for us winning the belts from Fight Club, I remember Kid Fight pulls me aside and goes, Johnny, Johnny, you're taking heat, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I was already planting heat, mate. He's like, I good aye, you're taking heat, eh?" So he was determined I was taking heat. And the reason is because you want to stiff the crap out of me. I was telling you the truth. So he broke my nose, my nose was bleeding all over my chest. But to be fair, I had a good visual. I spread our blood all over my face, made it look really good. And then the visual of us, the belt, me blood everywhere was really, really cool. So I'm having no complaints. I've got no problem with people working stiff, to be honest with you. I'm more about realism. So if you want to go a bit stiff, go a bit stiff. Anyway, so we've got the belts. Now, about maybe we've got the belts for maybe seven, eight months. You'd probably know the timeline better than I do. Um, were set to defend the belts against a tactic called the Bone Crushers and Don Dunferman. That was a team of Carol Conroy and Dave, Mr Invincible Madison at the time. Um, so that was the plan. Now, Mike, I'm going to give him some props here. Mike himself is only like, what, 19 to 21 at this time, right? He done the same thing I did. With three years experience at Wrestling School, the WCL Training Academy, he did have enough experience to have to kind of lay down for the old school wrestlers at the time be it Colin Mackay, we all know about him, yeah? He had to lay down, they, had, they told him what to do and he said yeah, because he was in that position where you've got to respect the veterans, okay? So I'm not fully blaming Mike for this. He was a young lad, stuck in this situation. So he had said to us, right, we need you guys at the Fairlands show quite early to help set up the ring. I was working, at this time, I was a manager for a shop called Game Station, so there's no way I'd get it early. So I said to Mike, way before the show, about a week before the show, Mike, there's no way I get there for like two o'clock. It was I can the earliest I get there's maybe half four, five o'clock. That's okay, Stu. Don't worry. It's all right. That's that's fine. So I get to the show as fast as I can. They're about maybe half past four. Uh, I walk into the dressing room, the ring's already built, and I look at Tommy Turner and, and he's just sitting, bam. Everyone's been weird to me, right? I walk in, everyone's been really weird to me, not talking to me, not shaking hands with me. It's very uncomfortable. I walk into a locker room, I see Tommy Turner there, and his face is white. Now, Tommy Turner's only at this point, like, 17 years old. I was like, mate, what's going on? So before I tell you what's going on, this is what happens. So it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, Mike needs people to set the ring. Tommy Turner turns up to do that, but he's got to go and pick up um, Kev Williams, who at the time was Congo Kev, and Jungle George, who was his tag team partner. So he goes off the drive to pick them up, gets stuck in traffic. There's some sort of car accident, so he's stuck in traffic. So they can't wait. So they start getting the ring in themselves. So Mike, Colin Mackay, the Iceman, all the old school guy, Carl Conroy, and Colin Mackay drops a big ring post on his foot. So he starts going crazy, swearing, and Mike, it's ridiculous, where's your trainees, Mike, where's your trainees? We're going to have a wrestler's court. We need to teach these boys some lessons, okay? So they have a wrestler's court. So when, when Kev and Jungle George and Tommy Turner turn up, they're surrounded by these veteran wrestlers. So the first match that night was supposed to be the Iceman versus Nathan Reynolds. They now changed that into a battle royal where, and myself included, we're going to get their ass kicked for real, a real beating. All right, teach us lessons, teach us respect for the business. That's what's going to happen. So I turn up and I go, "Hey, Blaine, that's his name, Tony Turner. What's going on? He goes, well, basically, Stu, they're kicking the shit of us tonight. I was like, what, what for? Because we're late to build the ring. I was like, I fucking told Mike I was going to be late. What's this shit about? I goes, oh, you better go see Mike then. I was like, fuck, I'll go see Mike. So I f- I'm looking everywhere for Mike, can't see him anywhere. I find him in a shower, shower room. I was like, Mike, what the fuck's this? We're getting our asses kicked for for being late. I'll, I told you I was going to be this time. And Mike, you remember, looks at him and he goes, Ah, oh, Stu, uh, oh, and he throws his hair back. He goes, Stu, it's, uh, it's the business. Uh, I'm sorry, Stu, uh, just go out there, take your lumps. He'll uh, uh, be okay. And then he kind of doesn't make eye contact, with he puts his head down, just scurries off. Now I get it, he's under a lot of pressure. He was probably getting harassed by those guys. I don't actually blame Mike for this. I, I do a little bit. I think he should have had the backbone to stand up to these guys and say, No, I'm a trainees, I ain't not get their asses kicked. It's not their fault. Didn't happen. So I remember like going, oh my God. And I felt awful. And I thought to myself, you know what? At this point I'm like, what, 29 or something, right? And I'm like, I don't need this shit or 30. I'm, I'm getting out of here. But I remember I've been dropped off by my partner at the time, I'm in full ring gear. I don't have any clothes with me. So I'm thinking, right, I'm going to just get the fuck out of here. So <laughs> I've got my bag and I'm trying to find the exit. I'm just going to leave. I'm out of here. I'm not taking a shit. I remember, like, I can't find the exit. And I bang into a guy called uh, Damien Diamond, who was uh, a star back then. He's a long time gone. And he goes, like, Stu, Stu, where are you going? And I remember, like, looking at my bag in my hand. And I remember just feeling this massive amount of embarrassment and shame that I was running away, leaving a 17 year old to get beat up. So I was like, oh, I'm no, I'm going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere, mate. So I go right back in I sit down. And I remember I put my hand on Blaine's shoulder. And I said to him, let's do this, bro. Fuck it. Let's do this. So I remember, like, um, the music hits. And it was one of the worst times. I had no enthusiasm. I walked through the curtain. And I'm looking up at this ring Fill all these veterans just staring at holes at me and Blaine. You know, me and Tommy Turner ready to beat the fucking shit out of us. I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. So we get in the ring. The bell rings us. Fucking chaos. Colin Mackay, he's got Tommy in the corner, 17-year-old boy, and he's just chop, 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 over and over as hard as he can. There's already blood coming down his chest. I see uh, Congo Kev, he's getting punched in the face legit, boom, boom. I see Jungle George getting kicked legit in the face. I'm like, fuck me. So I'm, I'm in the corner, I remember uh, one of the lost Provitos who worked with lots of really good guys, and it was um, it was Tim bravito. So he grabs me in the corner, he goes, just stay with me, Stu, I'll take care of you. So he's giving me like really fake punches, totally protecting me. And then he says to me, right, throw me over the top rope. So I'm like, okay. So I watched him over to the top rope and now I'm looking at this scene of carnage. I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do now? <laughs> There's book getting beat up everywhere. So I remember seeing Mojo Gravito sort of run and I just go, and I grab him like this. And I'm like, beating him up, beating him up. So he, um, he, to protect me, throws him over to the top rope. Now we're told backstage we must stay to the final four to take the full... Your know, your know, power of these lycans, all right? So I go over the top rope and I grab the bottom rope. And it was Mojo. I've got this. The end, mate, I have this. The end. And he looks at me. and Goes, nah, fuck that, dude. It kicks me and I fall to the ground. Then I remember Iceman comes flying in and he grabs Mojo, punches him in the face. He goes, He's not his fucking licks yet, you stupid idiot. And he just starts laying into Mojo. And I remember like walking away and I'm watching Blaine take like four, well, Tommy Turner take like four power bombs and we'll call my cards over and over. Boom. Unnecessary power bombs, just over and over again. And I'm like, fuck this. Fuck this. So I get backstage, I'm sitting there, and we've still got to defend our tag titles against the bone crushers this night. So they come in, Carol Cornroy, Dave Madison, and um Blaine's a mess. He's got like he's always chest purple and red, and he's got a wee swelling in his eye. He's just fucked, you know. He's only seventeen. So I said to the guys, boys, boys, I'll take the heat. He's had enough. I'll, I'll take the heat. And, and Carol's like, you're fucking right. You will do stew. You're gonna fucking kick in for getting out of that roll so quick. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's fucking cool. Let's do that. So start planning the match. And I had a young baby at the time and she'd given me conjunctivitis in my eye so my eyes are all crusty and closed so we're talking through the match we were, it's going to be a squash basically so we're a tag team who had beat fight club one of the best tag teams at that time and now we're going to get squashed by the bone crushers as punishment so he looks at my eye and he goes man what the fuck's that in your eye man i goes oh it's uh, conjunctivitis I got from my child uh, he looks at me again and he goes is that fucking contagious i goes i don't know maybe so he stares at me again, stares at Tommy Turner, he goes, "Okay, Tommy Turner, you're taking the heat. And then my heart sunk for the guy. I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck me. So Gold, I remember coming to the match again. I'm, not, I'm doing the stupid dance that Musso made us do, because he, he made us like a pseudo-gay tag team at the time. So we're doing a stupid little dance. I'm just like, fuck this, fuck this. <laughs> so I come out. We are getting the ring. You know, Tommy's taking the heat. And like they're just chopping him over and over, They run out of skin in his chest. So they start rocking his back, boom, boom. His back starts bleeding, his chest is bleeding, his eyes swelling up. I'm like, oh, this is fucking horrible. So I take the hot tag. The plan is I give uh, both both dudes two drop kicks each. I jump up, get caught for a crossbody slam and power slam finish. That was that's it, nice and simple finish. Eh? so I do that, drop kick, drop kick, I get caught in a power slam, I take the power slam, I fake having a broken rib just to get the fuck out of there. One, two, three, I fake. I've got a broken rib. I get out. Off we go. So the next part of punishment, Colin McKay has told Mike Musso he must make us, only us, take the ring down and pack it up. So we're now told, oh, you guys, oh, Colin McKay goes, comes up to him and goes, I hope you've learned a good fucking lesson you boys, eh? And I remember like Kev sitting with his head, like in his hands almost, you know, he just goes, yeah, yeah, Colin, we've learned a great lesson. Thanks for that. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm just feeling sick in my fucking stomach. I'm like, fuck this guy. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even look at him. I was like, fuck him. So um, I remember um, my partner at the time, she'd be in the audience and she was like, what was that? That's not usually what happens. So I explained to her what happened. She's like, fuck it, let's go. So, okay, let's go. I'm, I'm not taking this ring down, fuck them. I said to Kev, you want to go? And I think maybe Kev did come with us. I don't remember. We basically left it, like I'm done with that company. And that was it, I walked. Didn't speak to Mike, didn't do anything. I thought I was done wrestling. And then about three or four months later, uh, we started wrestling <laughs> so that's what started so wrestling originally it was a fuck you to mike Musso, uh and then it went on to become something better than that but I, again i want to say this i do feel that i disrespected wrestling i disrespected the way it should be by doing what i did i was a trainee with not enough experience to set up a promotion and if you ask me there's too much of that now it seems that every disgruntled trainee set of them promotion and it's detrimental to the entire product it really is because too many promotions too many guys and too many guys who are not ready to be out there so I, again if i had done it again i probably would have stayed with WPL i probably would have just had a, a more word with Musso and, and just stayed there because years later myself and Musso we buried a hatchet we never discussed this we never ever talked about it because i'm sure he's got his own points of view and he probably views it in a very different way um, but yeah, we came friends, he put the belt on me So it was, it was quite a good turnaround eventually Holding that W T F belt meant a lot Because of the way I left it and the way, the way things went
0: So, there you go So what I got from that story is What benefit to the show overall Was you young guys getting battered for real? Exactly Because, I mean, I've I've watched a lot of wrestling I've seen a lot of shows I'm not going to enjoy that I, I, that seems pointless. So, in in trying to teach you as a lesson, all they've done is is have a really shit show, which will mean that less people will come back next time, where it means Michael lose money, all because they can the 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 I, I hear all these old school stories when you when you hear it from like I don't know this kind of perspective outside. Never having done it, never having to do the respect thing. Um, I just like it go. That's a bit fucking weird. <laughs> so, it's just, I mean, I mean you're, when you're in the bubble, I suppose, it, it's totally different. It, it's 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 learning as you go. It's, it's paying your dues. That's the old phrase. But yeah, when, when I hear stuff like that, I'm just like, Christ, if, if that happened, I do know, now, I mean, I suppose, snowflakes and all that kind of stuff, they'd be fucking bounced. They would be on the next anymore. show. I mean, it's changed so much. I mean, I'm still,
1: I believe in the old school mentality. Have you seen my, my, um, YouTuber Joe Martin Stallion, I did the other day.
0: Have you seen? I ah, kicked him in the head because he wouldn't sell. That's I right. mean, I get that to an extent, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's, if you kicked him, and that's the lesson learned. If you kicked him and then turned around and went, "Oh, you didn't sell for me three times," I'm just going to, I'm just going to absolutely batter you for. No, you're still thinking of the match. You're still thinking, right? I've, I've done it. I've kicked him. He's learned his lesson, or he might have learned his lesson. I've still got to entertain seventy people, a hundred people. That's my job. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like if you're in an office job, and someone uh, I don't keep stealing your yogurts or something like that, <laughs> and then in return, what you've done is you've you've put in a yogurt that's off or something, and they're sick uh, because of it. That's the lesson learned. You go back to typing. That's yeah. it. It's, it's, you still do your job. I just yeah. yeah. I I mean, like I say, it's it's just there's there's I think there's ways and means to do the old school ways and to not be cunts about it kind of thing. I'm very big on
1: some of the old school, like the receipt thing, right? I'm big on that. I'll tell you a really, a quick funny story about receipts. So one of my best friends, apart from Scotty Swift, is Damien from WrestleZone. I love that guy. And I think he is one of the most underrated talents in in UK wrestling. I think he's fantastic. I really do. And he was always one of my favourite opponents to work with. I remember this one night though, and uh, a lot of guys were serious about me, like a big full crowd. Uh, I get quite excited at the start and I go a bit heavy hard at the, right at the beginning of the matches. So I remember like myself and Damien, we had some sort of storyline going. So I had to like, we had to go full on with each other to start. So I go for this forearm and I crack on right in the lip, bust his lip open straight away. I remember looking at him and he gives me a nod and I knew it was coming. <laughs> Here comes the receipt, but you take it and he hit me so hard, he gave me a big black eye, like, just made me a huge black eye, but that was it, it was done, and we're friends, you know what I mean, we are friends, another story, Andy Wilde, uh, Andy Wilde's one of my best friends right now, you know, a, a coach on FPWA, and I gave him a stiff shot by accident, and he just gave me, look, gave me a smile, gave me the nod, and he gave me the most stiffest chop. just bang, it just nearly killed me, but that kind of stuff, like, wrestling isn't, like, it's not everybody, you know, like, it's a tough man sport, regardless of the predetermined nature or the fakeness of it, guys are getting killed out there, you know, but we're doing it in a professional way, we're not trying to hurt each other, but it does happen, You I mean, you got big guys, you know, 16 stone, 20 stone men, running full pelt off the ropes, you know, hitting each other, things happen, it just does, you know.
0: That's it, I, I, I get I, I get the receipt bit, because it's the tie for an eye, if you, you hit me uh, stiff, I get to hit you stiff, that's, that's it. Done. Uh, but yeah, th- that, that just that whole story, like, it just sounds like, it's just, it's horrible to sound like, it's just like taking liberties and for what? Nobody's benefiting out of it. I <laughs> Nobody.
1: I wonder if I, am scooping the light on to make my face brighter, but I wonder <laughs> if we get heat on that. We'll see. But you know what? I don't mind. And I'm, I'm, I'm done with trying to protect it. I'm just going to tell the truth. Because on my own YouTube channel, I'm going to do uh, quite a bit to tell truth about stuff. Because, you know what, I, I'm known, and I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of the guys, I'm one of the nicest guys in wrestling, you know, like, no one that this, as far as I know, no one dislikes me, and I get away with really everybody, um, and so, when I do do these stories, like, obviously I told a story about Musso and WPL, I buried myself, because I don't want to be burying people, because I'm at fault, you know, I'm at fault for creating WrestleZone in the first place, I shouldn't have done it, the way I did it. Um, so, yeah, anytime I'm detrimental to anybody else, I'm probably be more detrimental to myself.
0: I mean, that's just, that's the that's, I think that's the best way because I've, I've had it in other jobs where I'm like, if, if someone takes the piss out of me, I'll just take the piss out of myself. Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. I know I'm shit. Yeah. Go for it. You know. <laughs> anyway.
1: When um, I tell people what I do is wrestling, I remember, like, um, you meet someone, right? don't know you and they say, oh, what do you do? Like, you tell me your job and, oh, I'm also a wrestler. And they always look at me, like a wrestler. And I'll say, yeah, that fake stuff. Now, if you say that, it disarms them straight away because they're ready to say, <laughs> oh, you know, that's fake, right? So if I see that fake stuff, they look at you and they usually go, Oh, yeah, but it's not that fake, is it? And I'm like, I'm glad you asked because no, it's not. And it usually turns it right around.
0: Shut up. I'm the same. My, my go to is, Oh, I just like watching big sweaty men in pants wrestle. And there's there's nothing, you, can, you can't, they kind of go back and go, Oh, but it's all fake. Yeah. I literally uh, just said that at the start. It's big sweaty men. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so speaking of positivity, though, mm-hmm. I met you. Backstage at an SWE show, there's the there's the killer uh, initials for
1: yep.
0: stuff. Um,
1: backst- the GM thing, wasn't it? That was the first. The GM thing,
0: thing, yes. Where I was, where I was given very little information and did very little with it. Uh, I'm going to tell you something right now about that, right? You,
1: I don't know if you know, and I felt bad for you, right? They'd already chosen the winner before you even came out. It was, and you probably, I don't know if you know that or not, and I think feeling. that. You did the best talk that night. I really do. But it already decided on the character. it is just thought, let's let a few fans do their stuff and we don't care what they do. So no matter what you did, you were never winning that night. You know that, right?
0: Well, I didn't think I was going to win anyway because I'd have to travel down uh, from, yeah. from Elgin. So I was just like, fuck it, why not? Yeah, <laughs> great. I felt you did a better job. And I felt you did it a bit...
1: It feel it's unfair because they'd already picked the winner. The winner was picked weeks before that even happened, you know. So it's wrestling, isn't it? You, every even that. But it's I don't fine. think they knew that. I think they're telling you, "Oh, you've got a chance to win." And I don't think that was very fair.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I did get paid for it. But, I mean, that's that's, 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 that's not unusual. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, well, that was. The, the, I know. Um, I can't call myself professional, but uh, yeah. So. Hi, so I met you backstage, and I'd seen you. I think I must have seen you at Hell for Light. Uh, I oh, definitely saw you at Aberdeen Ariake because that was the third show I'd ever been to. Yeah. Um, and you were just just ball of positivity. It was yourself, uh, Alan, of course, Mr. News, and uh, Randy Valentine, who spent the weeks terrorizing me on Facebook. Cause I didn't <laughs> know, and I didn't know. I didn't know what was what was going on. I was like, I'm fairly certain this this isn't real. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. <laughs> so I was like, well, this guy's going to just maul me. And I came in, he was like, oh, hi, how's, how are you doing? How's it going? Like, All right. Uh, but no, so like seeing, seeing yourself, I was like, oh, it's fine. I know who Johnny Lyons is. Good. I feel safe. But uh, yeah, that whole, that whole, both the runs. Because I did I did a second one where I was uh, <laughs> to become Braveheart's assistant. Yeah. Oh, Jesus.
1: Did he gave you that chance because he did so well in that first one. And you got such a good response from that. I think that's why I came up with that because you're quite popular and everyone yeah. liked it.
0: So yeah. But uh, all I remember for that is I arrived and um, they, they had the big big team meeting beforehand, but I wasn't allowed in. Mm-hmm. What was I going to do? Go on my fucking Facebook page? I had 200 likes at the time. Go? Oh, I've got the run. I've got the run sheet. I'm not fucking Meltzer here. What <laughs> a
1: Park Dave Lowe, He probably thought you were a marketer. Thought it was real he believes that. I think he believes the fans still think it's completely real and that's why we wouldn't let you in that meeting. I guarantee you that's what it was.
0: Uh, anyway, I don't I, I don't think he ever liked me after I bought my tickets for health Lakers and they never arrived. And I emailed him and I, I spot like, whatever, second row tickets, just general, because it's my first show ever. And, uh, and he went, oh, they've been sent. Uh, and I went, well, I've chose Track and Trace, just give me the code. And I went, oh, no, but they've been sent. I went, hi, could someone give me the track and trace? I'm not asking a stupid question here. Uh, and, and I got two tickets front row afterwards, which was probably plenty spare. But I was, I was like, like, Jesus fucking Christ. Which <laughs> show was that?
1: This the one in the Pep uh, concert hall. Stewards
0: uh, Centre. The Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that, was, that was my first meeting. I should have known from there that yeah. that was... That was
1: how it was going to go. So oh, I can tell you, I mean, I don't want to stand on the Dave Low, but I will say some things about him. I remember that I think it's the same show you're talking about. He told us backstage, it's completely sold out. No, no one else get tickets. I'm like, all right? Because I remember I, I had four people asking me to buy tickets. I was like, no, we told it's sold out. And then I remember get excited, I go for a match. And the place was half empty. Say, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, I could have sold these fucking tickets for him. It's just one of many things. I mean, SWE was became what it became when it got to the height of it because of Alan Smith. You know, Alan Smith uh, knows what he's doing. That's why Discovery Wrestling is doing so well. Uh, he's a good guy, but he invested time and invested money into it. Dave Lowe did not um, help get DiBiose, Bret Hart, you know, Roddy Piper, all those big stars that really elevated it. There was a point where you was doing bloody brilliant because of their talent. That was Alan Smith. And that's why it's a shame the way, now I don't know the ins and outs about why they fell out, but I know it was quite bitter. Um, but it was Dave's fault. I mean, ah, oh, you only talk about Braveheart in the SWE Okay, let's do this. So I, I,
0: I'll I'll, pray, I'll say I didn't ask, but I am not going to okay.
1: stop you. I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> so I first met um, Dave Lowe Braveheart at WCL show so It was one of my first WCL shows, and he was there with uh, Chas Phoenix, who we all know about. Uh, another one of those. I remember they both had these suits on, and they looked like fucking Penn and Teller. They did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that Penn and Taylor? I don't know who the fuck they were. And they remember the show's finished, and both both um, Penn and Taylor, sorry, Chas and Dave, they get in the ring and start running the ropes and taking fucking bumps in their suits. So I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's a bit strange. <laughs> These guys in suits taking bumps. And they, they were there to kind of show to Mike to try and get their talent on Mike's shows. I didn't really know much about the politics in those days. Anyway, that didn't happen. Mike basically told them boat. He said, I'm not interested in SW because it had a bad name even way back then um so when I fell out with Mike and started WrestleZone the first person to hand me an olive branch was Dave Lowe you know and at the time I was inexperienced didn't know really much about the business that so I was getting into and as far as I was aware he had a whole roster of talent and he says here's what we'll do he said you and them you come and work with me for free I'll lend you my talent I'll work for you for free seemed like a good deal first of all I'm going to say never ever work for a wrestling show for free you're discrediting wrestling you making it and I'm going to tell you straight away, I did five years in SWE for free, completely for free. All right. And he booked me in ladder matches and table matches and the most hardcore matches you can imagine for free. I disrespected wrestling big time. But the reason I did it is we had this original agreement where Dave would bring the SWE talent to wrestle zone and then I would work down for free. This should have happened for a year. I remember like three years into this, I remember saying to Dave, I've done this for a few years now. I think you should maybe start paying me oh we'll, we'll pay you soon we'll pay you soon He's just get us off why do you think all oh, the rest of the guys fucked off they got fed up with his speeches you know they would come down away from Aberdeen you'd pay the petrol not pay them either you know and, and then do you, have you heard about the one penny envelope incident
0: uh, you just started speaking about it before on, on the mosh pit before I, I came onto this call so
1: I, don't um, I, I just heard
0: a it. one penny envelope uh, yeah, you I'm mentioned that. so
1: uh, big demo and Dane was there with all the SWA guys so they sat in group and he was paying them and he didn't want to look bad. So he created envelopes and he put one penny in them and he gave that to all the SWE guys. And he said, don't open your envelope to of the show. And I was like, oh fuck, we're getting paid. It's amazing. they we opened it this one fucking penny. And I was like, this guy, man, this guy. But I stuck with it. And you know, why I stuck with it is I love the, the venues, you know, wrestling at the Bonner Hall, the Perth Concert Hall, you know, for all of that, Dave still put me in the match with the first, you know, WWE guy, Rory McAllister. I got to wrestle him. I got to do a spot with Teddy Biossi. I got to go on tour with Teddy Biosi. I got to meet Brett Hitman Hart. I got to meet Rory Piper. I got to meet Tatanka. I've got a funny Tatanka story, I can tell if you ask me after the speech. But I did it for free. And when you wrestle for free, you've got guys who have great talent who can't get a job because you're working for free. Now, if you're not good enough to be paid, you shouldn't be wrestling. If you're not good enough to be paid, you need to work harder. You need to train harder. And the thing is, I was good enough. At this time I was going down to PBW and I was training, I was getting booked by PBW. For all the things I said about Mike Musso, Mike Musso paid everybody. My first match, Mike Musso, he pulled me aside and still gave me a fiver. Yes, a fiver, but he paid me. I was a trainee, you know, he, he was old school in the correct way that way. Now, I look at the SW talent now, and there's some good guys there. I'm not going to show their, their talent, but I look at that and I wonder if it's still happening because there's a reason why. SW has got this individualistic talent pool that don't work anywhere else. It's because they're doing it for free. And it's got to stop. You know, I've just been noticing SWE even posting their shows. Sold out, sold out, sold out. Where the fuck's the money going from? Pay your guys. You know, independent wrestlers, Scottish wrestlers, don't mean much anyway. Pay them with a the fucking due. And it, it gets to a point where it infuriates me. And, and the fact that I did it infuriates me. Hey, in Wrestle WrestleZone, you know, the first year I ran WrestleZone, all my guys worked for free. And that is bullshit. It should never happen. They did it for experience, and that's wrong. And I went, if I get a time machine, and go back in time, I would stop all that. You know, I really would. And uh, yeah, that that that's that's the main thing with SW is they're paying wages and stuff. And the reason people get pissed off, everybody in these promotions think they're in their own universe, right? Everybody does. Like, and I'm even 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 my some friends, it's, it's their universe, okay. Uh, that they're in you know and nothing else matters except that bubble ICW you've got a bubble everyone's got a bubble so Dave Lowe has got this huge inflated sense of well-being where he is where he is the head of Scottish wrestling and he tells guys that so every night after every show and you you see the talk at the start so before a show he pulls us aside and give this pep talk about you know how you're, you're getting the best experience the best promotion in Scotland you're in the right place he's a good talker I'll give him that and at the end of the show, he would make you talk for about an hour. He would literally, the Aberdeen guys would look at the watches like, we've got a fucking long drive here. I'd be like, yeah, we're going to get those guys. We're going to destroy WCL. We're going to destroy the Glasgow guys. We're going to be the best promotion. And they got, they got sick of it. You know, and I'm probably just too nice. I listened to it and I took it. And then Dave eventually screwed me. So I was the only wrestling guy left working for SWE. And he pulled me aside because he was getting pissed off wrestles on. Because it was, it was back and forward shit online between the guys, and he says, "What would it take for me to get you away from WrestleZone and just be here in SWE?" And I was like, "Well, first of all, it's the company I started. They're my friends, and you don't pay me, so <laughs> you have to pay me a lot, man." I said to him. He was like, "Well, how about I pay you double?" He actually offered me double. Wrestlers pay me. I was like, nah, it's not worth it for me." So he wasn't rid of me for a while, but he didn't have any good reason. I was well liked with the boys, you know, and I was in a feud with Demo at the time as well, and Damo really liked me, and all the old SWA guys liked me, because I was training in Glasgow as well, so I had a lot of good friends. So he had no way to get rid of me, and um, I was dating uh, a wrestler called uh, Katie Kane, Christina Kane, at the time. Terrible. This is actually, if you go to the Aspen face stuff, this is where the heat with me and Aspen started, with that person. We'd get there later, when we do the sandwich incident. So... Uh, Katie Kane got heat with Debbie Sharp and Sammy Jane. but didn't like to do with me. So I turn up, and then Dave Lowe says, uh, Katie Kane, you're banned from the backstage, you can't come in. So now my, my girlfriend at the time has got to sit in a car while I go and wrestle. I'm like, oh man, this is awkward. So I'm the first match, and uh, I've got a jam O'Malley. I'm sorry you got jam fans out there. Jam is one of the worst wrestlers on the fucking planet. He's awful. He is the fucking shits. So I'm told I've got to job to jam. Okay, I'll job to jam. It's just one of the worst matches, man. I remember, like, <laughs> I go with the jam. I go, right, how about we go in and brawl start? You know, on the we just have a big brawl. He's like, no, no, Johnny, we can't do that. We're day no doing that in the first match. And I'm like, all right, all right. So we start the match, and he throws people outside. Like, what he said, we won't do. And he gives me this fucking chop. I'm like, you're chopping me? I fucking explode. I grabbed John, I ran them into the barricade and I fucking chopped the shit out of him. boom, over and over. Forearm, fuck you, Jamal O'Malley. I threw him in the ring, I did the professional thing and I did the job. And I get backstage and I go to so Dave, Dave, listen, I know um, KT kane has got heat, but she's in the car. I need to go, is that okay? He's like, yeah, Jory, no worries. We shook hands. we had a hug, I get in the car. I get back that night, massive email from Dave Lowe. Yeah, sorry, Jory, yeah, we've enjoyed your time at SW, we don't want you here anymore, uh, you know, you've got heat, blah, blah, blah. And then when I tried to reply to him, he blocked me, so I couldn't reply to him. I was like, oh my God, after all those years, you know, after all the ladder matches and the fairground shit I did for him, and yeah, it was very frustrating. Though, you're probably wondering why I did the SWE um, literally last year. I did do one show, so um, Kevin Williams is a big part of that. He was quite friendly with Dave again, and he told me. And again, I know it's changed. Kev told me that it changed, but the fact that Kevin Williams and Dave both keep right now, I'd imagine things hadn't changed. But he said things that have changed. He pays everybody now, should come back. That's like, okay. So I met up with Dave. We shook hands, we brought the hatchet, everyone was okay. And then we agreed for me to come back. And the plan was that they are going to have me go against the champion, who was ah the guy with the mask. The little guy.
0: Uh, it's quite Rishio, was it?
1: Yes, right Scott V show so they brought me back to the trade show where I was going to um wrestle someone there and then challenge Scott Show for a match at SWE but it just didn't happen uh, do a politics and also it just didn't happen so right now I don't have any ill will against SWE and if they are paying their guys they're gonna sell their shows and happy days and as guys there who need to get more respect than they do get you know Ian Ambrose is a fantastic worker I love that guy you know Martin Stalin was a great worker never got the, the due respect he should have got you know, and a lot of guys won't get the respect because they're under the S3 banner and Esther 3 done it themselves by reportedly not paying China. I don't know the truth of that, but I do know he didn't pay Brett Hammond Hart for the sunglasses. I know that. So Dave's just done a lot of dodgy things over the years. Dodgy, dodgy. Um, there you go. <laughs>
0: But he did, he did, uh, he created WrestleZone, he created Discovery, he created Reckless Intent, he created my own website, um, I have heard he that. Uh, no, so, mean- he said he owned WrestleZone,
1: or half a WrestleZone, I'll tell you where that came from. When I was going bust, so, when WrestleZone and Concordia was going down the tubes, and it's because I got in debt, I couldn't afford it, I didn't know what I was doing. We had two rings, and myself and my partner, who was my wife at the time, we broke up. So we broke it up, we sell the business. We sell one ring, the name, and everything to the WrestleZone guys in Aberdeen. We sell the other ring to Dave, the ring, one ring. So, because of that, he thought he owned half of WrestleZone. And he was saying, I own half of WrestleZone because I own one fucking ring. Oh my God, seriously, that, that, that was ridiculous.
0: <laughs> uh, Tatanka story, then. We'll get, get that oh, in. Wait, tanker story. All right, this one's a bit rude. So, any kids listening to this, this story might get they a rude. be. They shouldn't have got to this point, to be honest. I <laughs> really
1: All right, so I'm on to show Tatanka. I haven't met him yet, I think I was uh, I was in our DBOC show, and um, so looking for the tanker, I've not seen him yet, yeah, you're a good guy, his name's Chris Travis, anyway, I go to the toilet, and walks the tanker, all right, I like, hey Chris, how you doing? It's like, hey man, I'm good man, you okay? I'm like, yeah, okay, so I thought he was going to leave me alone to, to pee in silence, so I'm holding my junk, trying to pee, they start telling me jokes, so he's like, yeah, man, this other day, man. He tells me this joke. So, this joke's off for like a couple of minutes. We both laugh. <laughs> you know, him laughing, me laughing, holding my, my junk, right? <laughs> I can't pee. I can't pee when someone's talking to me. I just can't do it. So, he tells me another joke. So, man, this other day, and he's good on. And this goes on for another two, three minutes. I'm still holding my fucking junk while laughing at his jokes, getting more and more embarrassed. I'm starting to feel sweaty, I start to sweat chuckled down my face. And I'm just going, please piss. Please piss. Just please piss. <laughs> so, he starts telling the third joke. He gets half to the joke, he looks at me, he looks down at my junk, looks back at me and he goes, yeah man, and walks straight out of the toilet.
0: <laughs> I you're <hear> the freak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Would not speak to me, Edna spoke to me, ignored me the rest of the weekend. Just thought it was so weird to hold him with fucking junk while talking to him. It was like, my God. And then years later, he was on a WrestleZone show. Um, and then I saw him again and he forgot that story but I told all the boys, so every time the tank was in the same room as me, the boys just started laughing <laughs> about the story
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just love that, yeah, of all that it's like, oh, you're the weird one here, it's like, No, 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 <laughs> no <laughs> uh, right, let's get this meal deal story in, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to have to speak to you again at some point, because I know you've got your time, I know we've got loads of time left I've got a feeling that I have so many notes that I'm never going to get to because I'm just going to enjoy your stories. Um, The meal deal. Yeah, the meal deal. So so to
1: get to the meal deal, we have to build up, all right, why it got to that point, all right. First of all, what do you know about the meal deal? What's he told you in basics about the meal deal?
0: Right, so I've I've got two accounts of this story, uh, one from Jason and one from Aspen, which was a case of you went up to Aspen, asked them if this was in the meal deal. Aspen didn't know if it was in the meal deal and gave you a non-committed answer, and you went to the, the desk, paid for it, wasn't in the meal deal, you wouldn't speak to Aspen for the rest of the evening. Is that,
1: the that, car that that's, home.
0: You that's kind right.
1: of, that's kind of the gist of it? There's so much more to it than that. All right. So myself and Aspen, we first met each other. I was doing a wrestler's own training seminar and I met him as a trainee. And we got him really well. And I and I seen a talent. The guy is one talented guy, such a good wrestler. I right up him to this day as one of the best wrestlers in Scotland. So we got on really well, and then um, my partner Katie Kane got brought into WrestleZone as his valet. All right, they became really close friends. Myself and her had a very bad breakup to the point it was like we couldn't even really speak to each other. But she was still booked on these shows, so still the travel made these shows. So start making things awkward, and Lou, Aston, and he was taking her side and everything. So we we hadn't really got a good friendship yet. Now we all three of us were booked on a show in Discovery Wrestling, so I had to pick up katie kane and aspen faith and it was very early in the morning and they get in my car and we're driving there and she'd been digging at me like slagging me off by my back slagging me off to my face constantly it was just you know it was horrible right so she starts saying just starts slagging me off right she's going yeah you've got like the worst back suplexes you just can't do back suplex can you and i'm just taking i'm grinding my jaw just driving yeah that's right yeah but then aspen faith was again it's like yes dude your suplex are shite you're shy, you're wrestling shy. And he just keeps on going. And I just fucking blow. So I hit the fucking brakes in the car. And I was like, right. If you both want to keep on stacking me off, you can fucking walk to the show. You want to walk to the show, Lou? You want to walk to the fucking show? Do you want to walk to the show? Right, you and you shut the fuck up. And they both went, Boop, like this. They kept driving. In fact, I think Anthony Wiles in the car too. And he got really embarrassed. He was like, oh, oh. so he drove. So we had this heat. Then Lou asked me if Faith started seeing Sammy. And he wanted rid of KTK. So, Chris, rest of the wrestle booted her, she was gone, and Sammy came in. But there's still this kind of heat between me and Aspen. We hadn't really resolved our issues. And I remember it was not an accident. I arrived at the strong wrestle zone, I shake hands at everybody, but I was needing to go to the toilet. So I was making a beeline to the toilet, and he puts his hand out to shake my hand, and I walk past him, I don't shake his hand. So now he's thinking, oh, fucking Stu, fuck this guy. <laughs> right? So said, we're never here. Then the boys are like, ah, what you did to lose, pretty bad. I was like, what did I do? And they told me, I was like, right, so I apologized. So we're still a bit mm, tethy, right? So this one night it was it was Jason Reed, Andy Wilde, myself at a show wrestle zone, and Aspen and Sammy asked for a lift back to Perth. So okay, fine. So we will get in the car and it's like 12, one o'clock, we're all fucking tired. We we stop off at this garage. So you've got um Jason Reed driving, Andy Wilde in the front, me in the middle back, Sammy one side, Aspen the other side, all right? All crammed into the back. So we get to this garage. So we go in i'm hungry i'm tired and me and aspen have still no really sort of heat issues out though i think he thought we had so i pick up the meal deal so i goes to aspen he goes do you reckon that's in the meal deal and he goes eh, yeah i probably like, oh cool so i go up to the till and the guy goes it's not in the meal deal mate eh and then aspen really loud in front of the whole garage goes yeah this fucking idiot thought it was in the meal deal <laughs> and i just fucking exploded. I was like, who the fuck are you calling a fucking idiot? You said to me, you thought it was a fucking meal deal. Don't you fucking call me a bastard fucking idiot, right? And then Jason and Andy was like, well, that's it. Then I go to the back to the cashier goes, so, what is your fucking meal deal? <laughs> guy's like, she was like point to something. So I grab her, like, yeah, fine. So we're all sitting in the car. So like Sammy, who's Aspen's girlfriend at the time, next to me, Aspen, your side, we're all just cramped in silence. Eating sandwiches all the way back. But I want to finish this story with Aspen on a positive note. So myself and Aspen, we, we patched it up after that. Then uh, I remember uh, we always had that good run where we were tagging up Arden Yannickay with Harko Holly. Great time. On my retirement match, uh, Aspen pulled me aside and he said to me, I know you he thought, he thought this about me. He said, you were the reason I stayed in wrestling. I was going to leave, but you inspired me to stay. Thank you very much. And I was like, holy fucking shit. You know, and this is a guy that we've had these these heat issues with. So I gave him a hug and I appreciated him. And you know what? The guy's the guy's great. I mean, um I don't always get his humour. I think myself and him are on different levels when it comes to humour. And that's where we clashed a little bit. But I respect the hell out of him. I like him a lot. And I respect his wrestling. So, there you go. There's my side of the meal Deal story.
0: Finally, I think we've got everything. I, I need to get Andy. Andy's Lex. We'll, I'll, get, <laughs> I'll get Andy's side of <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, that's that's... Um, I'm, I'm. I think anyone who listens to this knows that I'm a big Aston Faith fan. So I'm not gonna gonna add to that because that's just that's the perfect way to put it. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's just one of these stories, much like your cinema stories, just ones that seem to grow arms and legs, and people are just like like you say. There's there's uh. Your side, their side, and the truth. So, exactly. um, and I'm
1: sure even right now, you like, asked him listen to this, I have a completely different version in his head, and that's right. We're all, as I say, we're all heroes of our own stories. We all think we are the hero of our own sitcoms, you know, and that's just the way life is.
0: Um, so, the first steel cage match. So we're not, we're not talking about. I don't know how I've segued into that, but uh, your first state, no, because I asked, been in it. That's why. Right, your first steel cage match was the uh, the triple threat tag team. Yep. And and uh, I was watching. I, I got some clips of it. Recorded some of it at, at that Abri-Anarchy and uh, it, I think I heard in the run up for that. That was your dream match. You wanted to do a steel cage match. That's what you wanted to do. Um, did you have? Did you know it was going to be the blue bars? That kind of thing was that something? You, oh, that was just them. Yeah.
1: Like the wrestling guys are massive 1980s fans. Like they loved that whole boost, so I had no idea. But like uh, I've always been a big fan of kind of hardcore wrestling and like you know serious like hitting and stuff like that. And, I always really wanted to kind of do like Mick Foley was one of my big legends growing up, you know, and um, he was one of the boys. Of wrestling it's totally different, right? I have marked out twice in my entire career to guys backstage because I don't know if you know this, Billy, but it's wrestling etiquette now to mark out for anybody backstage. I've marked out twice. Once was Bret Hart. Once was Mick Foley. Where I was just like i I'm such a, I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest fan. It was like that. You know? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, going on. Yeah, so I was a big thing to wrest. I, I wanted to wrestle on Steel Cage. I asked to do it. So yeah, I was delighted to do it.
0: Uh, and uh, of course, you get the big leg drop uh, off it as well, which was amazing. And then I, I haven't actually, I wasn't at your last show because I, I just wasn't at it. So um, I'm assuming you, you, you did You get to do the, the was it their uh, best leg drop ever or was it another? Well, I
1: didn't want do that again because I did it once. So the, the two big bumps I did in that match, I uh, did a cross body press at the top of the cage onto the opponent and then I took a powerbomb from the top of the cage to finish me. And they, they were my ideas. And the powerbomb they didn't want to do to me. They were like, no, Steve, we're not doing the Powerball. And I insisted, and I insisted. I said, it'll be safe, it'll do it. I said, it's the last move I I'm going to take, the last bum I'm going to take. For the fans to believe that I'm out, they've got to believe like a big impact move like that. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I remember like, uh, I'm scared of heights. Totally scared of heights. So I'm going to the cage with the crossbody press. In training, I couldn't even get to the top. I was shaking too much. But when I was in Johnny Lyons mode, I got there, and I remember like the guys took so long to getting position. I was just on the top of the cage for ages. Holy fucking shit! So and I just jumped in. What a feeling jumping off it? Um, but the leg drop. Let me tell you about the leg drop. So I wanted to do the leg drop off the top of the cage for ages. I was a massive, uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton fan as a kid, and a lot you always did the leg drop for the top of his finisher. So when I got into professional wrestling, that's all I wanted to do was the leg drop, and it hurts. It really hurts to get good leg drop. What I did was a WCL training. I would literally stand and drop to my ass a hundred times a session. Just stand, drop, stand, drop, just to get toughened. And then I'd go home, I'd pull out blood. And I'd do it again, do it again. And then I started tagging with the Tenacious Guns. I started doing the leg dropping second rope and deliberately missing it over and over again. Again, I'd blood until I got stronger. And then I started going to the top rope and missing it. And then maybe about the fifth or sixth year, I started hitting it. So I became, I became so accurate with it and I didn't really fear the pain anymore. I could do it. So going to the, the steel cage, I said to the rest of the boys, I want to do electrical the top of the steel cage. No one want to take it. So the person that stood up what to take it was, um asked My Face partner, who's it Billy? Uh, Lewis Garvin. Lewis Garvin. So Lewis Garvin's like, hi Johnny, Johnny, I'll take your leg drop. I was like, you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah. So he agreed, we shook hands on it. And I remember like uh, going up there climbing, I'm getting off to the fans and I looked down. And the look of fear on Gervin's face was hilarious. I'm looking at him, he's looking up at me going, oh, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. <laughs> His eyes were wide like this. <laughs> and I nailed it, so perfect. But in that same match, we all miss Aspen face moonsault. It was so embarrassing. But a lot of the Glasgow guys gave a shit of that. The person who was there right in the middle was Liz girlfriend and he stood aside. He moved to the side. I tried; I was literally getting pushed away. I was trying to catch him, but I remember one of the guys was pushing me. I just could not get in position. But man, I felt so bad for Aspen <laughs> taking that
0: salt. Oh. I, I feel bad because I was the—I was like one of the bits I, I got a video of, and I thought it looked cool. I didn't really like—I didn't notice until someone started going, "You fucking missed that." I looked at it going oh shit, he missed that a lot. <laughs> Everyone just went, no. <laughs> oh my God, that's
1: funny. I'll tell you one time there was a match I was in where I didn't miss. Do you remember an old wrestler called Jay Hazard? Way back in the old wrestling. I, I only know the
0: name. I've never seen him wrestle. Yeah,
1: but... way back in the first wrestling zone, he was a guy who pushed quite hard, charismatic. He was a good friend of mine's. Anyway, he was training for PBW and we are at a show in Grangemouth when I still owned zone. But he was training for PW, so all the PW guys turned up, including Ross Watson, and they said to him, we want you to do uh, a dive off the top of the balcony tonight. And he was shitting himself, but that's his coach, he not want to let him down. So he said to the guys backstage, I'm going to take a dive off the top of the balcony. Now, I'm not going to say who here, because these are my friends, to be honest, but he had heat with a lot of guys at wrestlers didn't like him at all. So a few of the guys were like, well, fuck, I'm not catching him, they're all like this. So he pulled me aside and he's like, Johnny, Johnny, please catch me, don't let me fall. I was like, trust me, I'll catch you. So I remember he goes up, and this was about 15, 16 feet high. It was really high. So he does like a cannonball off the top of the balcony. So there's, there's three of us to catch him. The person to the left moves away. The person to the right moves away, and it's only me. And I wasn't going to let him fucking die. So I remember I like, just catch him, and his full force, of his body and his, his bum hit me right in the face. Broke my nose and not be out clean, cold. I was out, and he landed fine, he was perfectly safe. And I literally, I was out for the 10 minutes before I woke up again. It was like, oh my God. So I will catch people to my own detriment, I will. So just <laughs> back to the Aspen Bay thing, that was,
0: I did my best. I wasn't scared to take the moonsault. I would have taken it if I could have done. <laughs> uh, so just to, to steer course, because like I said, I've, got, I've got, there's so many highlights to your career that, that I want you to least get. There's probably a million stories about, uh, but, so beach ballroom twenty thirteen. It was sixth of June, I think it is off the top of my head. Uh, a thousand over a thousand people, probably one of the biggest crowds you've been in front of at that point uh-huh. against Crusher Crabe, main event was like having that moment. First of all, let me correct you, it was June the first because
1: was my my it was my birthday. My apologies. That's why I remember it. And I was main event and when I fucked up, oh my god. So what you don't know, right? We planned this match out. We've got Billy Gunn and Huxley and Duggan there. And they both come to the monitor and they both say to me, we're going to be watching your match, man. So I've got that. Had the pressure then watching the match. I come out, we do the match. It wasn't what I wanted for the match. I had ideas, Crusher ideas. It was the first one. We kind of bowed to the pressures of the story rather than the moves. I wanted to do high spots like superplexes and crazy power balls, but the guys want to build a story where it's more like a submission kind of style match. Not what I want to do, but listen, you, you, you do what you're told to do. So there'd be a lot of high fires that night, with baby oil So that on. So the posts were like wrecked. And one big spot that I'd won on that I wanted to do was put him in the tree, no, his knee, that's because he's working the knee, have him miss the big kick, have his leg there, and basically like a Van Terminator boot from one corner to the next, which I could do easily, to him, that was the plan. I we remember climbing up, I jump, and I just slip right in my ass. And then you're right, I've got over a thousand people chanting, you fucked up, you fucked up. And I was just like, fuck, I was raging. So I remember I ran out at Crusher and I fucking rallied over a forearm, boom, to obviously make him stay there. And I went up and I got with such anger and I threw everything into that. And like, I meant to pull it, but I didn't pull it. I killed Crusher. I remember him saying backstage, I killed his leg legit. I just double booted him with power and might, boom, that, and like nearly broke his fucking leg. But yeah, that match, what I remember from that match was that it was hot. I remember we both come out, I throw a bottle of water on my head, to come out. By the time I'm in the ring, I am dry completely dry and me and Crusher we're done a double down at the end we're both lying there and we whispered to each other fuck it's hot and we had to actually turn because we are getting baked we were getting like fucking fried by the stage lights so we'd like turn into each other like that just so we weren't getting burnt that yeah, was crazy what are your memories of that match
0: um well this is again this is my first WrestleZone show and again I'm going because of course it's Billy Gunn, and dug Duggan and it's an hour and a half away from my house or, or where I lived at the time and, and uh Urban Sligo I lived in at the time, shit um, So yeah, got there. I was so excited again. I knew I knew your name because I went to SWE, so I knew John Lyons. That's fine. I, I knew you. I think Damien was on that Health Liker show the first one I went to, so I knew a couple names. But obviously I knew you, so I was like, that's fine. And John Lyons is there, cool. Um, that yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it, but because there was a story. And that's what I enjoyed about wrestling. Um, I loved the opening match, which was Stevie Boy and uh, Stevie Xavier and and Bingo Balance, which was different, but there was still a story to it. Yeah.
1: Um, All the boys backstage were popping for that match. We were all behind the monitor watching that, all popping like crazy.
0: But no, that whole show, I mean, obviously it's it's the closest company to me, so I would class it as my home promotion, but that show made me come back and kept coming back. And I would go to Fraserburgh shows and I would go to... So that... If, if that wasn't a good show, I would have been I've been to tribute shows, I've been to the shit ones. I would be like, Oh well, it's yeah, not great. I'll just I'll just go, I'll keep going. for my sins, I'll keep going down to Dundee, I'll be fine. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so thanks to that whole show, including your match with Crusher, which like I say it was a story. I knew I, I got the story. I didn't know anything about wrestling going in, other than there's a show going on and Billy Gunn and Hacks of June Duggins there. And I got the stories every match because you guys did the story <laughs> it was just that's just the way it works. i knew richard r russell just seeing richard r russell and knew he was a bad guy anyway because you know <laughs> he's got that face yeah, And he's a good guy though. he's, a, he's a he, oh, oh no he's a, a fantastic character but yeah. he's got a face that you can just go if you once he pulls it you go i, I just want to see you getting punched really <laughs> soon and yeah
1: because he like he's such a good talker and he was such <laughs> a good manager and like scottish wrestling still talking about like charles bonington should we talk with Richard R. Russell in the same light? Because, in my opinion, he was better, you know, than that. Um, Because Charles Barrington uh, made it all about himself as a manager and always, like, when you'd be backstage, Barrington would always be saying, my spot, my spot, my spot. He wasn't interested in the story. But Richard R. Russell would only interfere if the storyline required it. And it wasn't all about him. He always put the guys first and then did what the storyline requested. And I, I feel that that's an art. And I think that Richard R. Russell was, was great. And it was a shame we had to say goodbye to that character because it was... But it had its
0: run. It had its run. Oh no, I absolutely agree. I mean, again, this is probably northeast bias, but uh, I would always say restore wrestle. I mean, I, I saw Bolton do one promo pre match. I know post match maybe at uh, a Rock and Wrestle show that just kind of put me off his character in general, which I don't yeah. want to repeat because I I hated it at the time and it really soured me on it entirely. The whole act. Um, I'll tell you afterwards because it's just, yes, just, it's, it's got a word I don't like and it shouldn't have been said in front of a family crowd. But anyway, um, so speaking of managers, though, we did get a question from Brent Carter, uh, who said, so he, he trains at FPWA and we've interviewed him because, of course, we have. Uh, so, so obviously you've retired, uh, but do you think you'll make a return to wrestling at any point to do something outside the ring, like perhaps commentary or managing?
1: Definitely open to that, yes, uh, is the answer. Um, Any companies want to message me and do that, because I feel like I'm a good talker, I'm a good character and personality, Um, yes, I would be open to that. I would do everything apart from, I don't think I'd referee, because I feel like I spent so long wrestling, no one's going to believe me as a referee. Uh, You know, like if I get hit for a ref bump, I'm I'm knocked out by one blow. I was famously getting thrown off cages and all sorts of shit, and I was okay. So now suddenly I'm getting knocked out with one thing. But I'd love to be like a manager for someone who can't talk very well. Um, I would love to do commentary. Um, yeah, I'd love to do ring announcing. I love doing ring announcing. When I met um, just FPWA um, last week, we did like a couple of training matches, and I was doing the announcing, which is good fun. Um, but yeah, I would never go back to wrestling as such, even though I can still do it. Like physically, it's actually annoying. Physically, I'm still pretty good. I could do everything I need to do. Like when I go to FPWA, I-, I totally like. I'm always like amazing the guys and stuff. I can still do. And they're like, why are you retired? And I'm like, I don't know. But I had such a good send off in it zone. like, what would I be paying back? If I came back, I'm 45 years old now, all right? So I come back as a 45-year-old. Do I really have much more than I had when I was 43? And you've got all these young guys who are really, really good. And what do I have left? Can I go five more years till I'm 50? Probably not. So what's the point, really, in a come back at this stage?
0: Um, uh, I, I mean, you've got so, so such an infectious energy anyway that ring it just sounds like it would be incredible. I don't know. I think it would have to be a couple more years before managing because you do have that sort of energy that, even though if you tried to tone it down, you're still Johnny Lyons. Yeah. So, so that, that would probably be a bit harder to kind of to, uh-huh. to swing past, but definitely uh, ringing out a ring it out commentary, I think would be incredible as well. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Watch, the space. Watch the space, see what happens. I have um, asked a few more about it, so I've already kind of put the feelers out for that kind of thing. So, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Wonderful. Um, right, so the one question I got asked from Kelly was uh, ask about Judge Rinder.
1: <laughs> Judge Rinder, okay. What do you want to know about Judge Rinder?
0: I mean, it... it what, what? Why? <laughs> why do you do <laughs> Judge hey, oh, Rinder? <laughs> so
1: the, what, the why? There was a producer for Judge Rinder who was from Aberdeen, and he was a big fan of WrestleZone. Um, so they actually approached Scotty Swift and they said to him, do you have any beef with anybody? to come on the show, we'd love to get wrestlers on the show, especially you guys. So Scotty uh, goes, yeah, there might be one guy. So he phones me up and goes, "Eh, Stu, would you be up for this? And I'm like, yeah, of course i will be up for that. So we fabricated um, a story, yeah, because it's not real. Judge Rinder is not real. What? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, it's all bullshit as well. Just like wrestling, it's all bullshit. So we had this storyline where, and it's not, it's an exaggeration of the truth. When it comes to training and coaching, I am quite full on. Like I'm very energetic, like I don't do breaks. Like when I had the Aberdeen guys training me back in the old wrestling days, they would come down for five hours and I would give them no breaks. If you're a smoker, tough shits. We don't do breaks. We just work, we work, we work. And when I do FPWA stuff, when Andy's got me covering in weather, I'm exactly the same. I don't do breaks. Just do it. You've got me for an hour. I was doing a one-on-one with some guys that are week. And uh, he was like, oh, near a break, near a break. I was like, mate, I've got your ass for thirty more minutes. Let's go, come on. But, and I do it too, though. I'll I by example. When I'm at coaching, I get in there and do the same stuff. Anyway, back to George Rinder. So we fabricate this story where I was, like, beating up trainees and Scotty Swift was like the hero, saying, no, Johnny, you can't do this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, it's just a really stiff match. We're going to have a blow-off match at a future wrestling show and just get some exposure for the company. Um, the actual uh, George Rinder experience is interesting. So... I mean, they pay you for your day off. So I, I took a day off on my real job and they paid me for it. They uh, they believed the food was real. So they flew Scotty down and they got me a train down and they kept us in separate hotels. We would not let us speak to each other. But me and Scotty are on the phone. So how do you handle this tomorrow? Yeah, we'll do it this way, we'll do it that way. And they think we are legit don't like each other. It's funny. So we're in these, like, they have you in these, like, um, well, they put makeup on you and they have you in, like, a, a staff room and then come, the producers come in and say, right, how you going to feel about being in front of the cameras, Are you going to be talk to. And I'm like, mate, I'm Johnny Lyons, don't worry about it. The only, <laughs> the only condition I had was I did not want to use my real name. I said, my real name is Johnny Lyons. I do not want you to use my real name because I was fully intended to be a character out there. So at that point, I was a heel character for WrestleZone. So I was fully intended to be an asshole, to be honest, in, in front of the camera. I had to do as Johnny Lyons. So those people who really know me would know what isn't actually me. So, I went out there on purpose to lose that case. I wanted to lose the case. I wanted to be a dickhead. So, there's one line when uh, Judge Rinder goes, So, Johnny, do you think you're a star? Or, or whatever he says. And I goes, Judge, I know I'm a star. Just like you, a star of your legal circles, I am the star of it. It's all bullshit, you know? Like, I was just doing it to get the rise. And I was hoping that Judge Rinder would get so angry at me that he would give Scotty the win give him but he didn't he gave me the win which was quite frustrating actually even the rest of the boys were all like oh you loved you donnie you loved you didn't you really liked you I was like I've done my best I did my best to be an asshole (laughs) but they edited that to make him look good there was so many times when he was stuttering and he wasn't sure, like I was so confident. I was just blasting that at him constantly. And they edited that so it made him look better than I actually did. Uh, but yeah, it was a really good experience. Then backstage, me and Scotty had like a, a pull apart brawl, which they heavily edited for the broadcast. But the bouncers thought it was legit. So they grabbed me in chokeholds and going, get back, get back. I'm like, come on then, let's go then, let's, let's go. And, like, and me and Scott were like high-fiving after that backstage. <laughs> I think we were go for a bite straight after it, you know. But they both a he was like a sinker. Um, But I would imagine, but here's one thing actually, oh, got to tell this, Scotty's going to hate me telling this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So he was suing me for X amount of money. Now, what happens in the judgment of the show? The money is real, but you don't pay it. So anyone who wins the money, ITV pay the money, which is why a lot of people probably do it. So let's say, Billy, I'm suing you a £1,000 for misrepresenting me on my thing, and uh, I win itv pays me a thousand pounds you don't pay me a thousand pounds so i said to scotty mate i will lose this case you get the money let's fucking split the money scotty is such a good guy he's such a good dude he's like oh oh Stu, oh i don't know about that like it's it's not right we should give it to charity or something i'm like fuck charity man we could go and get fucking pissed on that go do- then what, what are you talking about scotty so this point is as well, we didn't win it, like, like he didn't beat me, because he had such a headache about it. He's such a good guy that he would not he, he would not spend the money. And I'm like, mate, fucking give me all the money then. I'll take the money. <laughs> I've got no qualms with that at all. <laughs> Think
0: about all the Ghostbusters gear you could buy. Exactly.
1: <laughs> to this day, I'm like, Scotty, he's too... This is why Scotty Swift has always been a baby face, because he's just, he's just, he's very much like a boy scout sometimes. I love the guy, but he's just so straight and narrow, you know? By the rules, let's live this way. You know, it's like it's funny,
0: man. <laughs> I, I like in the last eighteen months, though, since, uh, since since speaking out and all that kind of stuff, he we just went from from a uh, right. I'm, I I wouldn't say anything. I'll just keep to myself. To just, I mean, the open. Like I said, "Oh, we still have open half an hour," where he's just called like, everyone. a cunt, He's <laughs> gone. It's just. It's like going. Oh my God, th- this this pandemic and this this thing is just unleashed. Aside side of Scotty that, that we haven't got to see. I mean, you guys have, but we haven't got to see yeah. before. Which I is think it's more amazing. the fact that
1: Scotty, uh, and you may not admit this, is he knows he's going to the end of his career because he's not that much younger than me. He's only a little bit younger than me. And I think um back in the day, he had aspirations of still working everywhere, you know, and all these places. Now, I don't think he cares. You know, he's happy to just finish up what he's going to do with zone. So, wrestling's not going to stop picking any point soon. That, he, that's his home. You know, so uh, why why even bother now? So I think he doesn't give a shit. He'll say whatever, and quite rightly so. You know, you should speak these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think all this all the shit that happened last year it was it was kind of it opened it opened a conversation. Not not all of it was good, but it opened up a conversation where folk can go, right? No, you're a nonce. <laughs> you're surely coming up here again your opportunity going up here. Uh, it's really, like I've seen
1: so much stuff backstage that it's never made me comfortable, but I've stayed away from that shit, you know, like, um, I don't know, I'll, like, he was one of the guys, right, Jawa Mali was out there, right, and I'll tell you a quick Jawa Mali story, right, I did see Jawa Mali grabbing a trainee, opening his trousers and stuffing his hand right in the guy's trousers and grabbing his bits, and it was Jackie, um, forget his, his name, and he just put in a smile like it's okay because he felt scared to sing about it, it's fucking bullshit, and I remember one time we are at a show, me and Andy were there, and he walked up trying to grab Andy's balls. And I just looked at him and goes, don't you fucking dare me, fuck off. And he walked the other way. And then on the health for show, where with the cage, they kept falling, everyone's h- hanging on to it, right? That show. So he walked up to me and he grabbed my ass. And I was like, Jam, I don't fucking play that game. Do not do that again. So he grabbed my ass again. And I said, fucking stop it, you asshole. If you do it again, I'm going to knock you out. And I remember I was, I was on the, um, I was watching the last match with a pint. And I think legit he did trip up and he put his hand on my ass and I fucking exploded. And I literally said to him, do it again, I'm fucking going to knock you out. And he'd he never touch me again. Backstage after that shows, he'd go up and go, oh, Johnny, like he does his fake, he's not even gay. He's, he's fucking straight. But he does his fake gay stuff. I think like to make him popular with the girls. That's what he does it. It's just fucking disgusting. And he always wants to grab every fucking guy's balls. And he, he thinks it's funny. And it's not funny. And I'm sorry if you're a jam friend or a jam fan. That shit's no right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe sweaty men in fucking pants rolling around the fucking ground, but we're no fucking, like, no, no molesting each other grabbing each other and I remember like I I felt like um, when he grabbed Jackie by the balls in that show it was a reckless intent show I remember feeling disgusted by that and I wanted to say something and I wish I did you know but he was like oh I'm cool with this I didn't understand the shit was going on all the time you know there's a lot of things that get passed off as banter you know and uh, I don't like it I don't like that shit at all
0: I think that's the thing um for a lot of of some behavior, I, I don't want like I, I don't want to say like it's specifically jam, but um some behavior, it's wrestling, you're only there for what, three hours. And if something happens, you're like, oh, that's just that's just the one time that's happened, or oh, it's it's just it must be their thing because nobody's complaining about it. Uh and then I mean I I, I know I, I had I had a run in with jam that, that I on the surface seemed like, oh it's just banter. But the more I thought about it, it was like, no, fuck it wasn't um so yeah it's just it, now that people are going sharing all these stories and they're like oh this happened to me and someone's going oh that happened to me too and then they've got another five people going oh that happened to me also they're like fuck me there's this massive circle of folk that have been
1: you know um, what i'm gonna say something on the other side of this i don't think jam does it because he he likes it like like he's a pervert i don't think that's all i remember jam the first time i met him was on an icw show and he was a referee and he was a trainee and he had no personality and he struggled. So, he created this person, he created a character, you know, with the big hair, acting pseudo-gay or you know, this kind of shit. And I think he would have lived that character because he had nothing else, you know, and he acted that way to get this pop to keep in character, you know. But he just pissed people off and he did inappropriate things, but this went on for years, man, years, you know. And we all just, the people who didn't have to take this shit, like me, Andy Wilde, we didn't get the fuck. But the younger trainees who didn't have that power, what could they do, you know, it was ridiculous
0: yeah i mean it, it, it's all i mean i don't want to labor on this because this is not a fun topic uh, but <laughs> but, uh, but yeah it's, it's one of those things where um chinese don't know who has the power so if, if you've been in the ring for longer than than they have been they have the power whether the person knows it or not or yeah. sometimes they do but uh yeah it's just uh it's one of the things like okay, that's a shit topic Let's not fun let's let's Perfect. go and uh, i'm gonna pick a match here what i've got You feud with mr p
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love Mr. P. He's a crazy motherfucker, by the way. Right. I'll tell you something about him, right? So he was training. I don't know if the guy's so a teacher. The guy's a fucking teacher, right? Like, well-respected, very good talker, very intelligent. So he was like wrestling's mouthpiece manager for a while, but he'd been training behind the scenes for a long time. He was, he was getting really decent. So they came with an idea for me and him to go at it and bring him out of the manager role to be a wrestler. That was always the plan. Um, so it was the ballination, so i just lost the belt to crusher uh at anarchy and then it set the ballination. so deliberately didn't give me a match so i have have heat with um paterson uh, mr p um so we're backstage and we're talking about what we're going to do and i was like, right so i'm going to cut this promo slag you off then i'm going to beat the fuck out of you and i'll whip you with my belt all right fucking mr p is like yeah johnny just give me like 15 20 shots and i'm like mate i am not hitting you 50 or twenty times, that stuff's gonna suck. So we're going back and forth on this and eventually we agreed to three. I go to only three. And he's like, Well, fucking lay it in, Johnny, lay it in. I'm like, You're crazy. You are fucking crazy. <laughs> so we went out and I remember like I hammered him. I don't know if you were at that show. Um, but I were you at that show when I when I uh,
0: I pause, I either that or they put a video out because I could see it yeah. in my mind whether it was I was back, there or not, I don't know.
1: And it was the first show that had Jay Lethal on, I think. because uh, Jay Lethal was there. Uh, um, but I remember I cut the promo and for me it was my, the best promo I ever did. Because I treated, because I didn't have a match, I only had a promo, I treated that promo with it as the best thing I'd done. So I literally researched the promo, I looked at all the shit that had happened, and then I, I worked him really hard and I went out and did it. Um, but I remember I got him down, I hit my forearms, legit, heavy forearms that I whipped him with the belt three times, not the 15 times, that crazy motherfucker wanted. But I put a big scar on his back and he had a scar on his back for about a year. After that, whipping, he really did. Um, but no, I, he came out. We had a great feud, I feel. Um, really good. Uh, I remember, like, uh, so he knew a lot of stuff. But storyline-wise, he shouldn't know anything. So I remember, like, the first match we're going to have, our first scheduled match, he's wanting to do all these fucking wrestling moves to me. I remember Scotty Swift, who was saying, goes, mate, remember the story? You don't know anything. You can't do these moves. I remember, like, Mr. P, he was just so gutted. He wanted to do all the crazy stuff. But Scotty was right. You know, as far as the crowd are aware, if you've got a guy who's been a referee or a manager for, like, years and suddenly he's pulling out all these fucking moves, why wasn't he wrestling in the first place? So it made sense. So he had to limit. So the first match, we limited his offense on purpose. He had, like, two moves. And I think that first match, has beat the shit out of him. But then he got, like, a lucky roll-up pin. And that was a story. And then the next one was more competitive. Then the final one from get the contract, he was allowed to wrestle more. You know, but then he took it on, like... Mr. P's charisma is off the chart, and I would say he's another guy who's underrated. You know, his character could work anywhere. Um, I think one thing that lets him down is his size. He's, he's very muscly. He's, he's very tight with his muscles, but he's not the biggest guy, and I think that would stop him getting booked in Glasgow with like a lot of the bigger guys. Um, but, like, uh, when it comes to charisma and talking on a microphone, I don't think there's anyone in Scottish wrestling as good as he is talking on a microphone. Maybe part from your grados or something like that, but he's a great talker. Really good. He's, better, he's a better talker than I am. I speak too quickly and I've got five slang. He could speak very eloquently and very well. I think the teaching site comes out
0: there. Uh, uh, I, mean, I mean the guys up in, in, in Aberdeen are just a bit, all a bit nuts, because like I say, Mr. P was just he just wanted to get whipped. Uh, he was quite happy to do it. I spoke to to Bradley, uh, uh, Bradley Evans and, and he was just like when well, I was asking him about bumps and that how he felt, he was like, That's nah, fine. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I can. I'm watching it, going, that must hurt. He's like, ah, no, that's not hate right. It's just, it's landed, and it was. I got up, and yeah. it was right. All right, you're all, you're all a bit, a bit nuts. Nothing uh, special, but-
1: like taking a bump, right? that would put a normal person in the hospital, but you're, you're trained to the level that you could fall, you know, through a table or get through the top rope, get thrown to the outside concrete floors, and you're fine. That's a buzz, man. You get backstage and you're high-fiving your pals, and you're okay. And you know, anyone in the audience did that, they're going to the hospital that night and but that's why you train you, you need to train long and hard and take thousands upon thousands of bumps to get to that level you know it takes a long time to get as good as, to take those bumps and not be hard it really does
0: uh so again okay, pick another one i've got here wrestling at belgium in 2016. Ah, okay yeah that's, so yeah a bit different um yeah. Well, i mean i've heard i've, re- I've spoken to other people who wrestled at the belgium and they're like oh you get the vip tickets you're backstage and all that kind of stuff um, I mean, at that point, we've been wrestling for what, ten years. By that yep. point, and then you're wrestling at a festival. Um, mm-hmm. What was like that? What was that like? His experience? So much fun. Uh,
1: really, I did it three times. Spell I did it. For th- I did it three years in a row. I think it was. Um, uh, yeah. Um, it's a different atmosphere. Uh, I remember one year I did it, and I was I was told to be heel, and half the audience were wrestling fans, and they're all chanting Johnny, Johnny, and I'm having to be healing from I felt really bad about it. But uh, let me tell you. You talk about Bellrum, Let me tell you a funny Belladrum story. So one year we went up. It was myself, Mike Musso, and Bad Boy Liam Thompson in the van driving up. All right. So we get there. We knock. Over, we knock some guy's uh, wing mirror off with the valve. I do. I'm driving. I knock a wing mirror. We try and hide it. We drive somewhere else. Mike Musso. Uh, the first day we set at the ring. He's forgot the canvas. We don't have a canvas. So we have to wrestle with it, a canvas. Ross can fight us raging, right? So we've got these mats. So Mike's immediately like, right, I'll go right back to Cody. I'm going to get a canvas. Okay. So he drives away. Me and uh, Liam Thompson are now trying to find a cabin spot. And we're getting drunk in the way, you know, because it's Belladron, right? So we're having a few beers and he's had a few more beers than me. And we're walking for ages. We can't find the staff campsite at all. We're walking, we're walking, we're walking. And eventually uh, Liam's like, we're getting this bit that's leading to another campsite, and um they're conversating beers. I've got a beer in my hand, Liam's got a beer in his hand. They grab Liam, take his beer, let me walk right past. So Liam's raging now. He's like, Johnny, how the fuck have you got your beer? I've lost my beer. So I'm like, I don't know. So we keep on going and we've walked ages. i like, fuck this, let's just camp. So we find this little space covered in rocks and shit. We start packing up our, our tent. He's got this really complicated tent, right? He gets it all out, gets it done. Then he's literally fully built this tent now. And this guy comes over and goes, boys, boys, you, you can't camp here, eh? And Liam's like, for fuck's sake! So he doesn't want to smell this tent. So he picks up the entire tent, right? He's holding it one arm. He's got his fucking suitcase, his other arm. And he's walking about this big fucking tent in his rucksack, getting raging. So we eventually find the staff's um, um, camping bit. We, we camp up, and having a few beers, and I've got have quite a few beers. Liam gets utterly wasted, right? Mike eventually arrives. He's wasted too. He doesn't know, me and Mike share a tent this night. He doesn't know where it is. So (laughs) I deliberately take him through rows and rows of tents just just for a laugh. (laughs) And he's trying to not like knock over tents, he's tripping over wires, he's tripping over this and falling into tents, it was hilarious. So we eventually get into the tent and we're there and then Liam's like trying to phone us because he wants us to come out and party some more. And we're like done, we've got another match next day. So I was like, Mike, let's ignore it, let's ignore it. And he keeps on ringing and ringing. I was like, fuck, we need to answer it, hey. We are ignore it and all we hear is Liam's voice out in the darkness. Mike Muscle! Johnny Lyons! Mike! Johnny! I'm like, oh man. So I put my head through and I'm like, bad boy! Bad boy! And I'm like, oh, he goes, Johnny! Bad boy! So he comes over and he's completely wasted. He's almost in a zip. Like, he looks at us and he goes, what's happening, boys? We're getting drunk. I'm like, mate, we're going to sleep. And he's like, just keep staring at us. So, uh, you're telling us, uh, that's it? Like, we're like, yeah, Liam, that's it. He keeps staring us. So, uh, is that it? I was like, yeah, Liam, that's it. So I started zipping up. Night, Liam. Good night, Liam. <laughs> and he churned us off his tent. It was so funny, man. But yeah, um, the next day he was super ill. He barfed big time and had to rest like an hour later. I don't know how he got through his match, but he did. Um, but yeah, Belladon was a lot of fun, man. Uh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. My favourite match I did there was the first time I ever went over Mike Musso, uh, Ross booked uh, me and Mike in a match and made me the babyface and Mike Musso the heel. And Mike never works heel, but he was quite excited to do it and he put me over. And it was actually the first time we'd ever actually worked together. Even though at that point, I'd known Mike for like 11 years or something. We'd never actually worked a match together. So we did a in Bellidrum. I think that match was why he got ideas about putting the belt on me, because he'd seen the chemistry we had together and how well I could work with him. So we started doing a series of matches. <laughs> Back to Mike Musso quickly um I remember in the locker room the first time he um, decided me as a heel go over him as a baby face no one goes over Mike so he's the Hulk Hogan of WCL he doesn't lose so I stood up in front of the whole locker room and I goes right guys I just want to take a moment I have been awarded tonight with the honour of going over Mr Mike Musso. Now, one day you too, if you work hard, can go over Mike Musso, but it's a long road. I keep working and Musso's standing next to me, just like laughing and going, oh, Steve, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> funny, <man. laughs> Everyone's just laughing their asses off of my speech.
0: <laughs> uh, I must say, I-, I love your Mike Musso impression because it's just, it's just, it's. if anyone's like, listened to the audio version of this, they will think that I've somehow... Uh got in gotten Mike to to do it <laughs> to take like dub it.
1: I was like Stu, <sighs> Stu,
0: It's like this all the time with funny man <laughs> uh, Right, what else have we got? Working with the Young Bucks, twenty fifteen. Oh, Discovery.
1: You could have had something contra- contra- uh, controversial there. I you didn't realise it, did you? You didn't realise that you just had a controversial thing.
0: But no, no. I don't know. Uh,
1: anything back so that's okay and i, I hate doing this because alan smith i love alan smith he's one of my friends and i think discovery is an amazing promotion so let me preface that with this okay and i understand the reasons for this and i am gonna bury joe henry a little bit here sorry joe henry but here we go this is the young buck story so when um, myself and do a first book by discovery wrestling is the wild lions uh, Alan Smith's kind of vision for us was this kind of hard-ass, kind of new Fight Club you know, style, Legion of Doom, smash everybody. Uh, I have to say it just didn't work. Uh, myself and Andy, for whatever reason, we didn't click as a tag team, and we didn't have the levels of charisma we should have had. And I don't know if this was a bookend, who we were against or what, just that it wasn't working. But Alan promised us the Young Bucks one-on-one, so it was going to be you know, your Wild Lions versus Young Bucks one-on-one, that's what we were told, that's what we were promised and then later on they got into a four tag team situation but Alan promised us that we would be last them with the Young Bucks all right now we arrive at the show and uh, Joe Henry first let me face this Joe Henry is a hell of a wrestler an amazing worker an amazing talker very charismatic but he's always with an ass kisser I said that there you go so he would go and end every Discovery show kiss ass kiss ass and politic 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 so we're told we're last with the Young Bucks we arrive on the show And uh, we get told, no, you're not. You're going out second. And it's going to be Joe Henry looking sharp last for the Young Bucks because Joe Henry being the ear of Alan Smith and got this sorted. I don't know the conversation that happened, but we were told at the last minute that's not happening. And then it was Joe Henry. Now, as a booker looking at it, I agree with it. Joe Henry looking sharp were much more charismatic than us, the Wild Lions at that time. They were much more over. It was the right decision. However, it pissed off us a little bit and then but here's what really pissed me off right and i'm going to bury joe a little bit here all oh, right this pissed me off with joe henry on this particular show and i've seen joe since then we've we're okay all right so the young bucks come in and i'm chatting lovely guys handshake we're chatting away and we're talking about the match i was like look guys we're not actually in with you we're going to be eliminated before you do anything I'm like oh yeah no worries no worries Well, we're going to do x y and z whatever right so joe henry arrives and, I, and I, I'd already talked to the Young Bucks for a bit, so I thought it'd be nice and, and introduce them, eh? So I goes, oh, Joe, this is so-and-so, they say... And I'm about to say a couple of things to introduce the Young Bucks to Joe, and Joe just puts his hand on my face like this and I go, Stu, let the Young Bucks speak, like this. And I was like, what the motherfucking fuck, man? I was like, man, I've been working long... I remember Joe Henry was an SWA trainee, you know, and he was good. And he and he but and, he, and he, he was listening to advice and like I, I've got years on this guy, you know. But he's went further than me, fair enough. But there was no reason for him to stick his hand in my face and say, "Stew, a young buck speak." It really pissed me off. And then he pissed me off even more was he had to eliminate me at the end of the match. And he forgot the spot. He forgot the fucking spot. So he's got me up for his thing too early. And I'm saying some Joe, Joe, there's got to be interference from their tag team. Gotta put me down. So he puts me down. Makes it look shit does the interference spot, then picks up again and does the overhead throw, but he twists his body and fucking botches my landing, so he screws my back up completely. So, Young Bucks, lovely guys, lovely show. There was a bit of heat there, so, and it, it wasn't, um, it made me a bit angry, and uh, I remember the last time I seen Joe Henry, uh, I felt like he was being nice to me because Andy Wells was there, because Andy Wells has got a lot of pull in the business, and me and Andy are very close, and Andy was on the show, and I was sitting next to Andy, so I felt like Joe Philly had to speak to me, but I don't feel Joe Henry likes me very much. But there
0: you go. Someone's got not like me, I guess, eh? Um, it must be a very small pool. Uh, <laughs>
1: thank
0: you. Thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Here, here. You know, I'm, I'm the journalist. I'll, I'll just kiss. I'll, will kiss my uh, guest, ass. I don't, I don't worry about <laughs> <them>. uh, <laughs> it. I mean, you called me a journalist at the start. There, I, I have no qualifications to say to say that. So, I, I, oh. I will never agree with anyone who calls me that. I've, had, know, I've also, had someone call me. The,
1: no qualifications to be a wrestler. I'm not a qualified wrestler. <laughs> there is no body that awards me as a qualified wrestler either.
0: <laughs> Your logic is sound. I'm not going <laughs> to disagree with it. Um, right, so Andy Wilde, perfect way to segue this. FPWA, that's what you do now. Uh, you do train, I think, do you primarily do the the, the Wii wee, wee ones? Yes. Yeah, and then so I- uh, you take I- over the full...
1: Yeah, I predominantly coach the wee wrestlers of juniors, so the wee wrestlers are the age group from like 6 until 10, and then the juniors is like 12 to like 16. So uh, yeah, and I do do the adult classes, so if Andy needs to be away anywhere, um, not saying where, but I think we'll know where he's going to a lot nowadays, um, NXT WWE because the guy's a legend. I will fill in and do classes. So I did do. Uh, in fact, it's on Facebook. You, you know, we went to NXT. So yeah, I, I coached them um, last week, all last week, um, FPWA with the adults and the juniors and stuff. Brilliant group. uh lovely. I, I really had a great time with them. Um, just gonna be the big got Some more lighting here. But um, yeah, what? I don't know the group that Andy's assembled. Andy is just one of the best guys I've ever met, you know, like, he's a good worker, he's a good talker, he's a good person, you know, and uh, people gravitate towards him, and he has, I've been to a lot of wrestling schools up and down the country my whole career, he's created something special there at FPWA, and that's why there's so many people there, and and show so much loyalty to him, Um, but like, uh, yeah, me and Andy, Andy has changed so much, but I remember when I first met Andy, he was just kind of, you know, skinny, teenage guy, wide-eyed, you know, but he was always a hard worker, always. I remember, like, the first time we went for, like, a wrestling trip, me and him, we uh, were going to Burger King, and he was, like, taking off all the crap, just eating the protein and things like that. He's always been that guy to look after himself, but, um, yeah, he's just, uh, I, I don't want to keep on the Andy train, but the guy is a good dad, a good partner, uh, and I've seen him always stay. I've seen Andy when he was a young, single guy, you know, at, at the old nightclubs and getting drunk and, and being silly, and then to being a dedicated family man he is today and business guy and like I couldn't be happier the fact that he's now full-time, you know, he's quit his actual real job and now FBW is his job, wrestling is his job. If anyone gets signed to WWE, it has to be this guy. I mean, WWE NXT has signed a lot of guys so aren't as good as, as Andy and certainly not as nice as Andy. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to have loyalty to Andy the rest of my life. He's a guy that... um. He's put faith in me. He's made me a coach at FPWA with some people in Glasgow didn't think I'd be qualified for that. And he showed faith in me he always shows faith in me. And like, um, there's absolutely nothing in the world I wouldn't do for the guy. That's absolutely true.
0: Um, speaking about getting drunk and dancing, that's another memory I, I have. Uh, I think okay. it was a post hell for Lycra. Uh, it was myself, you yourself and Rob Cage uh, having a boogie to Invisible Touch by Genesis. Well, <laughs> that was... You know
1: I've got no memory of this. I no
0: know memory. you don't. Uh, the only reason why it keeps popping to me because it just made me laugh, because at the time I came to the show, it was a Bonner Hall show, and I broke my arm, like, a week beforehand. Uh, no, okay. a couple of weeks beforehand. So I had a uh-huh. massive cast on, and it just it always tickles me when I think about it. It's just, it's just the three of us in a triangle, just not even dancing, it's just this. You know what? Hold, I've, holding copperbergs. I've, I've had
1: a flash of that now, I think I do remember that, yeah. But I've had nice out like that, like I'm... <laughs> My other name, I've got different names, I've got Stu, some people call me Big Stu, I get called Johnny, the other name we get called is Party Stu, you know, so I am called Party Stu, when I go out, it's a party, and I'm up dancing, I'm up doing everything, it's crazy like, as I can.
0: <laughs> but uh, it always tickles me uh, always just gives me a smile it's just, yeah, so much fun right, and I've I'm got just, loads sorry, of
1: questions so I... left dancing myself and Brian Tucker having a dance-off in an Aberdeen nightclub was hilarious because Brian Tucker is such a better dancer than me <laughs> me and him were totally dancing off but it was just hilarious like I was dad dancing to the max he's giving all these really cool sophisticated technical moves and I'm getting oh. up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> big fish, little fish cardboard <laughs> box and... <laughs> uh, right, so we've got Kyle Watt, he's asked if there's any backstory around your appearance in ICW as one of Jackie Polo's bodyguards, because it was fairly uh, random.
1: Yeah, it was fairly random. Uh, to be honest, that's quite a quick one, really. Uh, me and Jackie Polo are really good friends. Um, the first time I met Jackie Polo, we just hit it off. You know, I thought the guy's hilarious. I think the guy's an amazing wrestler, amazing worker. When I was training, so I did do coaching. I, co- I got trained in SWA for a bit, and PBW. I went to all the schools in Glasgow. So I met Jackie through training down there, and we just got really well. And one time I was in Glasgow, or maybe he just messaged me actually at the blue, he did. He goes, look, I'm doing this angle with Lionheart. I need bodyguards, will you be up for it? And I was like, yeah, I'll be up for it. So I went down there, got the suit, we did the, the whole thing and walked out with him. It was going to result in a match. Now, I'm going to tell you why that didn't happen. So, Jackie had promised me a match, but he wanted me to do something first and I wasn't comfortable with it. Now you remember the angle did happen, but it wasn't me. He wanted me to dress up as a woman and be the kind of present to Lionheart, and Lionheart would suplex me while well, giving me the bomb as a woman. Now, I didn't do it. I, I, I agreed to it originally, and then, I, then I, I said no. And the reason being, at that point, now Johnny Lyons wasn't big in Glasgow, but Johnny Lyons was big in a lot of places at that point. i be be multi time champion, I didn't want to kill my character. Even though YCW didn't know me, I mean, I'm sure some hardcore fans would know me, wouldn't care. But then, so I go dressed a woman, get hit by, you know, rock bottom by a then I'm right back at rest zone being like the top tier heel or top team fit. It just didn't make sense to me. If I'd been a fresh trainee out of school, I would have done it. And I had someone do, I don't remember who did that angle, but someone did do that angle uh, when I turned it down. Uh, but that was it. And after that, there was no more bookings in ICW for me. Uh, even though I did work the first few shows I ICW way back in the original inception of ICW. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mark Dallas, I can right with him. And, you know, it's not like um, we're pals. But when I've seen him shows, I talk away to him. He seems okay. Um, what he's done by ICW is an amazing success. It's now the FIDA Federation for WWE. So, happy days. Um, I wish I was given more a chance there. I'd love to have done... I always want to do a hardcore match with Chris Renfrew. I always want to do that in ICW, always. And then rest booked it for a hardcore show, me and Renfrew. And you probably know that. And up to two days before it was going to happen, the nightclub got shut down. It didn't happen. There was always a match. I really want to go health a with that guy. Because I thought his style, his crazy style, his promos. I just thought me and him would have worked so well together. Never happened. That's got one regret, one match. I really want a hardcore street fight, Glasgow street fight with Chris Renfrew. I think it would have been amazing. I mean, you know, I would have bled for that match, we would have done all that shit. It would have been amazing.
0: Uh, right. So we've got Asian sensation, Omar Muhammad. Um oh, Jason Reed also asked meal deal, but we've got that story, so that's fine. Uh, so Omar Muhammad asked Omar Mohammed uh said. Just not to ask you anything about Cobra Kai. Um Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai never die. Just quickly, just because you mentioned Cobra Kai, you know
1: where the name Johnny Lyons came from? From the Cry Kids. Ah. Origin. The Karate Kid is my favorite movie of all time, and as a kid, as an inspiration to me. And when I want to be a wrestler, I always see myself as a heel character. The best heel was Johnny Lawrence from Karate Kid. I've ever seen Johnny Lawrence. That's where it came from.
0: Excellent. Um, he, he did say, they'll ask you about his amazing coaching and driving skills, especially timekeeping.
1: Oh, he's timekeeping. Oh, my God. So Omar Mohamed, he aids me on the Wii wrestlers and juniors classes. Now, I am so particular time. Like the, the, the time starts at four o'clock for the first class. I won't start that until the clock has exactly four o'clock. And I want to end the class exactly on five o'clock. I'm really, really anal about it. So Omar always finishes the class off with like a cool down and he's always like cutting off two minutes too early or two minutes too late. So me and him were constantly I'm like, you're going to learn how to do this time, Omar. You're going to learn how to do it. And a few weeks ago, he actually got it bang on for the first time. I was like, amazing. Um, driving skills, I don't know where that comes from. Oh yeah, he solves the car a lot. But to be fair, he's a young guy. he just learning how to drive. But he has. do you know his car has Asian sensation in the back of the car? Amazing. It's amazing. He was actually worried about it. He asked me about it. Is it, is it too much like... Well, people think i'm arrogant i was like mate be your character live your character oh no i love the guy i think the guy has got so much talent uh he was another guy who i met at wcl helped train wcl and then i brought to to fpwa with me you know him and um, uh robbie um what's his working name peacekeeper
0: uh balfour is it balfour, yeah another
1: great guy he came with me from wcl to fpwa uh harmony sky uh came from me to there so i've got a lot of people that i brought from wcl to uh, FPWA, and uh, to be to me, they're, they're friends, they're colleagues, they're uh, people that want to succeed. So when Harmony Sky made her debut in the ICW network recently, I was so super happy for her. You know, I gave her a big hug, and she's helped me. Andy and Omar were off the last few weeks, and Harmony Sky really stepped up and helped me coach as well. Great girl. girl's only like, 17 now, and I've known her since she's about 13 years old. You know, so, like, I'm almost like me and Andy are like big dads to her. You know, we're like father figures to her. You know, we really care what happens to her the way like. So, um, yeah.
0: That's no, I, well, I've had her on the show but that was more of a case of uh, a lot of the uh, FPWA guys went you should speak to her, she's going to be huge speak to her now, get on the ground floor and then get on the ground floor of, of Harmony Sky and <laughs> you'll, you'll uh... let me tell you
1: a quick Harmony Sky story All right. so her real name's Morgan, right? so when she was 14, 13, 14 she was training at Mike's WZL school and I, I used to do most of the coaching there because Mike was busy with his job and things like that so he'd have me do the kids class now, if anyone had real promise, I would show them things. Mike was so scared of insurance and people getting hurt that he would literally keep the juniors to just doing headlocks and wrist locks and lockups. That's it. And early on, I could see that Morgan had more talent than that. So what I did was I said to her I and called Callum, who was the same age, who's, who's doing really well as well, come to the adults class. I will train you with the adults because I think you've got that ability. So I give them secret classes, basically, for Mike. And then uh, one time I'm teaching um, <laughs> Harry and Skye how to do no-hands-runners. Right, no hands runners with them. Um, she was there, it was also Ricky and um, Taylor Bryden was there. So she was doing no hands runner to, to Taylor Bryden. Musso walks in mid air. So Morgan's up mid air, hits this no hands runner. Ricky takes a big bump and he just looks at that, looks at me and goes, Stu, Stu, let's have a word. And <laughs> he gave me so much shit. I, he was like, What are you doing? And fair enough, you know what? It's his business, his insurance. I was wrong, I'm sorry. But he wasn't there, he he wasn't seeing what I was seeing, you know. I. I if, we'd, if we just stuck to headlocks with that girl, we would have lost her. She would have got bored, her talent would have been nurtured, and she would have went away somewhere else. We would have lost her as a talent. So I did what I felt was right as a coach. I knew she could do more. You know, and then when, obviously, Andy's from the FPWA, she was one of the first people I wanted to go there, because at that point she was only 15. And even Andy didn't know her talent. Andy was like, well, she should go to the juniors class. I like, no, Andy, she's good enough to go right to the adults'. So Andy trusted me and he put her in the adults class and he's glad he did because she went on to be amazing. This she's 17 and our first match on the bloody WWE Network.
0: Right, insane. Um, speaking of WDL, w- the Action Academy, are you still shocked that that Action Academy show is still on YouTube? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is.
1: Okay, let me quickly tell you about that. <laughs> that was never supposed to be on YouTube. It was supposed to be recorded for training purposes only. And why I went on live on YouTube, I do not know to this day why I did that. I don't know because it was, most of the guys there hadn't worked anything. They weren't ready to be there. You know, it was only meant. It was just meant to be viewed. Okay, I did this wrong. Did this right. Did this wrong. It was never meant to be on YouTube.
0: So yeah, <laughs> I've, 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 When I, when I. That was the first proper almost absolutely negative review i ever written and I was yeah, terrified because yeah. you, you came up to me and, told, and said that shouldn't have went out I was like oh thank god honestly I was like oh Johnny finds it okay I'm fine I'm safe if I get a, a really shitty message afterwards I'm safe for the knowledge that Johnny's okay with it so yeah. it's fine yeah. <laughs> so but well, yeah I mean,
1: I, bad matches eh? I mean I, I don't think my match is the worst match on that, but the whole thing, it was meant as a training exercise, you know. Those You do do training matches, and they're shit. To, most of them are quite shit, because you have to learn to be good, you know. All tra- behind closed doors, should never have been released.
0: I saw the Ring of butt crack, and I think that haunts <laughs> me to this day. Uh, right, okay, so I've got two stupid questions that we ask everyone, okay. and then I'm going to end with Scotty Swift's question, because I think that's there's, there's oh. potential there. Um, so, First question we usually ask everyone is, uh, of these stupid questions, what's your favourite dinosaur? A uh, T-Rex. you got to go with the best. Oh, sorry. Uh, what would we the fight, two sheep or one cow?
1: Eh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'll go with the one cow. You know, big body slap me, or big body slam, boom, on top of the one the splash. She will have no chances. Go, ban
0: that's it. Done. Don't, don't condescend me, by I say that's a good question. <laughs> um, and so, Scotty's last question here, uh, which I think I is think a good way to sum up. Favourite and least favourite match? Oh, okay. So,
1: not necessarily
0: your best or worst, your favourite okay. and least favourite.
1: My Favourite match? Uh, my favourite match of all time was the match I had with Damien at Aberdeen uh, where we were at the opener, I think, and it was the first time I was babyface opening for WrestleZone. And the reason I loved it so much was like, everything me and Damien planned went off to a per- perfection, including the spot where he done like a cannibal to the outside, a called for a vertical suplex, marched them up, suplexed them back, i, I they're literally rolled roll into the rank, but a 619 perfection every and the reaction that the crowd were chanting Johnny all the time. Uh that is what and Damien. I love Damien. This was maybe our 12th match we had in a row at that point. So we just our chemistry was spot on. Um uh, that's my favorite match. Now I'm gonna to have to do this for two, unfortunately, break it down. You've seen the YouTube video where we're talking about the Jack Jester thing, right? It's my worst. That is my worst match, but that's my worst moment in a match. That's my most embarrassing moment. Tagging the boot of Jack Jester is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened. But the actual worst match, it's going to have to be, and I hate doing this, uh, myself and Kevin Williams. We had one of the worst matches in history. And uh, what's happened was, now again, I want to face this, if I'm not going to of slag off Kevin Williams. He gets enough heat that i don't want to add to. And that, me and Kev talk offline. Off you know, we still talk, okay? So please don't take offense to this, Kev, before I start this. But here's what happens. So Kev has had weight issues up and down. He limited that himself, right, over the years. But he, he never really saw that in his matches. He still wanted to do cruiserweight stuff. So we're planning this match, and he wanted to do um, a crucifix sunset flip to me. And at this point, Kev is at his heaviest. And I was like, Kev, are you sure you could do that? And I didn't want to say to him, mate, "You're too big to do that." I didn't want to slag him off because I want to be nice to the guy. He was he sure could do that? I was like, yeah, 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 I could do it. I could do it. It's like, all right, okay. So we're going through the match. He goes to the crucifix, and he's literally his legs only get as high as my ass, and he drops straight flat down. So it looks stupid. And I'm like, ah. So it's like, right, I need to save this spot. So I decide to walk backwards and do a backwards roll, and hopefully, he'd scoop me and a schoolboy. So I walk backwards, I trip over him, and he does nothing. just lies there. So now I've tripped over a guy backwards, and forward, my ass. he's just lying there as well. I was ah! Like, oh. So then I get up as quick as I can, I kick him in the head, put him in a, in a chin rest, and just the whole match, it was like, our timing was off, the chemistry was off, oh, it was so bad, it was so bad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry Kevin Williams, I really am. He'll admit it too, if he remembers that match, he will admit it.
0: Um, so, before we wrap up then, because I know I've, I've had you for two hours, and I think we could speak for two more, and Definitely. not get bored. Um, what is your... What is your preferred choice for a meal deal?
1: (laughs) Well, now I'm a vegan. I'm not going to do the vegan thing, but I've been a (laughs) vegan for a year and a half now. So I wouldn't go for a meal deal anymore unless they have got vegan options. So if they have got vegan options, it would probably be like um, corn on a sandwich with a packet of crisps that are vegan and uh, a tin of iron brew, which is also vegan. There you go. (laughs) There
0: you go. Perfect. Right. So where can people find you on social media?
1: All right, so I've launched a new YouTube channel. It's Scottish Stews, Rants and Reviews. Uh, It's good. I'm I'm taking a break for a couple of weeks because I'm upgrading my equipment. Um, However, I am planning on doing one rant a week and one wrestling story a week and movie reviews as I see them. So I'm going to look to grow that channel. I'm trying to improve my editing. I'm certainly improving my sound and my vision so it will look a bit better. If you enjoy the way I rant, Take a look at it plus you can find me on facebook johnny Lyons. i'll go you post a lot of my content there give that a like and that's it i don't do nrs twitch or instagram because i'm too goddamn old and i don't get it
0: there you go fine perfect well thank you very much for joining me today this has been amazing you're
1: welcome <laughs> buddy. thank you very much you keep doing what you're doing buddy